Viewer discretion is advised. In 1935, without any of the technology we have now, without any of the products, the technology and the skills, they built 72,000 state houses in one year. How could they do it then and they can't do it now? They choose not to do it now. Mandate. Welcome to Mandate, where we navigate fresh perspectives and nothing is off the table. Tonight's guest is from Tamaki Makaru and Okilani. He's an amazing man with an amazing journey thus far. He is a broadcaster, he's also a radio host, a journalist, but also a political reporter. And so you'll know the familiar voice, recognise that familiar voice, and also that familiar face on uh, TVNZ, Television New Zealand, also on TV3, on the news, uh, but also regularly on the kind of general election time. And so you also know him as um, the guy who was on TV3 Story as one of the hosts. And I knew that, but he was also one of the leading hosts of the AM show. Um, but also, he was also on the radio, the radio host of um, the, the Mid Morning. Mid Morning. Um, um, Vietnam. <laughs> the Mid Morning. Uh, yeah, news and, and talk show on um, Today FM. Um, and so he's won several, several awards um, due to his journalism and also his reporting um, pr- uh, prowess. Um, but also the man just recently, the man has, has just started his own podcast named after himself. Please put your hands together for the man that is Duncan Garner. <laughs> Duncan, Duncan, thank you so much, mate. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on tonight. We really appreciate it, um, Duncan. And so, thank you for having me. It's, uh, you've got a steel trap memory as well. No auto cue. You just mate. all those things just come. Oh, off mate, you. You, 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 hey, listen, we, we grew, grew up watching you, and even now, we're st- even more so now, we're still listening to you on on the podcast. But even, but, but, but where do we where do we start? Because uh, obviously, I, I guess we can start with the podcast, um, Duncan, in terms of obviously. Today, fam, and all that debacle of mm. yeah, all that kind of stuff. But um, how did how did, how did it unfold in terms of you doing the podcast and so, going back to media works? Yeah, so so we lost our jobs. You know, we were on air. Uh, it was on my show. It was just after twenty past nine, Tova walked in. She was upset, and she said, "I'm not sure what your standards are here, but they fucked us." She said, and I said, "This is betrayal." Um, I didn't really want to swear because I could see what was happening. This we're going under. This is a hard thing to go under. You know, on public. National radio, you know, you are, you're broadcasting to every corner of the country. Someone's listening, and you are in your demise. You are folding in the station live. Is there a better way to do this? Uh, maybe we can workshop that, and maybe we'll think about that again. You've got to be able to close things down, oh, sure, but you've got to do it better than that. So it was pretty upsetting, but lots of young people, and I've been through this sort of thing before, so I needed to be a bit more stoic for everyone. And plus, I know these people, the bosses that made the decisions, and I've worked with them for 20 years, and I, and I, I, as, as we left, um, they said, oh, we want to talk to you about content. And I was like, yeah, okay. And I went home for a few days. And they rang me and they said, can, you meet, can we meet up? We want to talk about content. And I said, um, I said Leon will be there. You know? And um, I said, that's cool. Um, then these are the guys making the decisions, you see. And I turned up and I said to this guy who was one of our bosses, and he's been wonderful so in the podcast and all this sort of thing. I put, put this on record. But I said to him, I didn't know whether to smack you or shake your hand when I saw him, because that's how I felt. I was really upset. I love that job. Mm. You know, um, I really felt there was something, when I got on air today with him and doing talkback, the more personal it got and the more um, uh, intimate the conversations were about people, uh, their problems, their issues, uh, and solutions. I always wanted to push for solutions so you could be useful to people. Um, I found it, I'd go home and my hairs would be standing up on my on my uh, um, neck and arms, and I'd be like, "Shit, that was freaky." Some of that stuff, and I'd 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 wear it all afternoon, you know. Mm-hmm. I would feel this, and I'd so I'd ring some of the people that rang me on air, 
uh, Margaret, are you okay? It's Duncan Gully. And they were like, are you ringing me? I said, yeah, I, was, I got your number. I was just a bit worried, you know. And when we got, you know, we spoke to you for 10 minutes, but I just wanted to make sure you're okay. And I did that a few times, you know. I was so concerned for people. And people need people. And what COVID gave us was the opposite. It was isolation, and it, it, it really highlighted who was isolated. Some people can be lonely. They can be in a marriage, but they're still lonely, you know. Or they can be on their own and very happy. Um, it's a hard thing, loneliness. It's a hard thing, isolation. And we've got so many issues in this country that are quite deep now. And um, But I've, we've worked out that talking about it is quite a good thing. It empowers you because you see other people in the same situation as you. And um, that brings comfort, you know. Um, so that's what I that's, – I love that job, you know. To lose it was devastating, and um, uh, I couldn't get to my son, you know, um, quick enough uh, on the day, and I got to his school, and I could see he's looking at his phone as he comes to the car, and I was like, shit, I didn't get there. I didn't get here quick enough, and he, because he's always worried about his dad and stuff, and I can understand why, and he, he goes, are you going to be okay, Dan? And I said, I haven't told you anything yet. He goes, you lost your job, and I said, not, I haven't got the letter yet, Um and I never got the letter because I never actually, I never was made redundant, but um, we lost our station. And so I'm trying to put a brave face on for my son. And, you know, you've got to be the man to your son. But you also, he knows that he's a sensitive boy and he, he gets it all. And he's waiting for me to be vulnerable. He's looking at me. I said, you want me to cry? What do you, want? <laughs> you want me to cry? And um, he put his hand on my knee, you know, and I'm driving home. <laughs> so those things were hard, you know. I didn't get to my mum for two days. She listens to everything, and I knew she knew, you know. I can imagine her melting down at home, but I couldn't bring myself to ring her, you know, um, for two days, you know, because all these people are texting you and ringing you, and it's overwhelming, you know. And I apologise to people if I didn't get back to them, because um, I'm always making it my mission to, you know, do what you say you'll do and get back to people. So I found it a really brutal time, you know. Mm. I wrote an article for the Sunday Star Times on the Saturday, and I was typing away, and I couldn't see the screen, you know, my eyes were welling up. And um, I whacked that out there and I put my personal email at the bottom of it, if you want to get a hold of me. Because I wasn't sure whether the Binet Media Works worked anymore. <laughs> it did. But, uh, um, I would have got 800 emails wow. from people saying oh, the most beautiful, amazing things, you know. Um, we weren't around very long in that year, that today, but it had a real impact. It seemed to have an impact on people. Um, it was new, it was fresh, it was looking for solutions. It was, you know, wasn't stayed and stuck in the past, you know. We tried to do something. But we died, you know, and we died on air. I went to a 50th birthday party that weekend for one of my mates. He looks all of 52, this guy. <laughs> and um, we had to dress up as a, as a rock star from the 80s. I went as Elton John, you know. <coughs> why, why did you choose them? Well, hide behind the big pink glasses, you know. So, so here I am, and you know, all the boys, you know, let's have a party, ducks. And I'm like, <sighs> there was a queue of people wanting to talk to me about losing the job. Mm. Everyone, hey, what happened? Oh, it's that again. And so I found this back door in the house and I ran up the hill and grabbed in my car and went home. You know? I'm never like that. Though. I always mm. wanted to see my mates and everything. So it was hard, yeah. It was brutal. And then they said, well, why don't you try podcasting? And I said, what's that? <laughs> I, I said, I've heard of this thing. Um, the Joe Rogan, is that what do you want me to do? How are we going to do this? We, did, we weren't even really set up for it, you see. Mm. Uh, even though we were radio stations, you know, many weeks. So we just... I'm the sort of guy, that if I make a decision to get up again, I'm going to get up again, you know. And so I just needed a bit of time out to get my head right and go fishing and stuff and then listen to other people's podcasts and what they do. And then I said, I want my producer to stay with me, Dave, and I want us to do what we were doing in a condensed version daily. 
And then we sat down trying to come up with names of what's it going to be, you know, because you can overthink this stuff, you know. Like, um, what's it going to be, you know, Duncan Daly, and I'm like, oh, what if I want a day off? <laughs> Duncan every now and then. <laughs> like Duncan Disorderly. Yeah, well, I've got a column in the NBR. Yeah, yeah. yeah Disorderly, which I think is about right, actually. They were really pleased with themselves and they came up with that one. They're like, oh, yeah, we're going to call you Duncan Disorderly, you know. I'm like, yeah, you got it. You know? But, um, yeah, it's been a tough time. Um Oh, you know, it's, it's life's not easy, and you never learn. Uh, I've never learned anything from like win, you know, big wins. Like if we beat Delacell, you know, by sixty nil. Or <laughs> <laughs> like well, twice this year, but um, you know, well, you don't. Uh, game was called off because of the fighting, but uh, you know, you don't learn from that. You learn from the defeats, from the from the losses, and how do we rise from the ashes? And yeah, I I, I studied it hard, you know, um, to be. Sometimes it's not your fault when things go wrong. You're part of a cog in the wheel, um, and you just got to. I know we swore and said this and that, and but you've got to hold yourself. And um, you're not bigger than the industry, and you're not bigger than the stations, and you're not bigger than some parts of the whole place. You just, you know, you got to be humble and go with it and mm. rise again. I do like podcasting. Though. Wow. Yeah, chairperson of the podcast association. Uh, <laughs> is there one? <laughs> but I like it. I like. Um, I, I find it strange because I've always been used to live television or live radio, and that's where energy comes. You know, live, live, bang, bang, whiz, bang. Well, we're back on three, two, one, bang. You know, it's full on. Uh, once the train leaves the station, you know, choo choo, we're gone. But with podcasts, it stops down. Uh, we'll do that one tomorrow, but I'll do the interview today. Chopped it up there, so it's a bit like when I was a news reporter. You're chopping it up and then you put it put it to air. Um, but there's all sorts of different principles with podcasting and different approaches. And you know, I didn't even know about stages and intros and stuff. It's all new, you know. But um, we've done fifty, um, and um, I'm quite excited about it because I'm learning stuff again. You know, awesome. age forty nine and been in the industry a long time. I'm learning about something. It's quite cool, you know. Have you done fifty already? Fifty is. Tomorrow, Friday, yeah. Wow. And you've only been in operation for... Well, 50, 50 days. 50 yeah. working days. Because wow. we've done... I uh, do one Monday to Friday, yeah. <coughs> and there's been two public holidays, and I've made sure that we're prepared and put one out on public holiday as well. Oh, sure. Because, you know, then you have presents. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Plus, I've always been a daily journalist, you know, like... Yeah. I look, I, so, you know, people do, you know, one a week and stuff, and I think... <laughs> How come you anyway? So nah, no, this is quality, you know. <laughs> but, but I mentioned this every night though, you know. Yeah. We're quite taxing. Oh man. Thanks for our chairman. Um he wants us to go every night pretty soon. <laughs> 2024. Yeah. <laughs> 2024. Oh, but you're very capable of it. You know, you've got the, the set up now. Oh, yeah. for sure. And it was sure. almost underusing the space if you didn't, you know. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, you're right. You're absolutely right. I'm no, totally but podcasting yeah. is, um, it's been, it's so, in my view, it's fast forwarded it to this era now. Podcasting was coming. It slowly was evolving. But people, I think it's three years ahead of where it should have been, where it was going to be, because everyone was at home and they'd all lockdown, you know. What are we still at home for, Jacinda? <laughs> Come on. But so people just they they well, humans will will go and do what they do. They always have their what they have in their hands all the time, the phone. Yeah. yeah. From age two onwards, everyone's got a phone yeah. and everything's digital. Who who went who went to the bank recently? No. <laughs> who who turned on the radio in that car? You know, who turned on the free to air television? 
When did you last watch the six, six o'clock news on time? Oh, Tonight, probably. Did you? That's a good question. No, but seriously, though, because no one does anything in real time anymore. It's, it's when you, you know, the consumers run run the shop. They rule the roost. They will choose what they like. They will choose what they want. So um, we can just hope that you put it on the shelf and they pick it. Mm-hmm. See, with live radio and live television, it's going, okay? You said it just has to be you're standing, someone standing in front of it or whatever. But with the podcast, it's dead until it's turned on. Mm-hmm. You know, it sits on the mm-hmm. shelf. Here it is, the library book over here. And we're waiting for someone to go pick it up. And it's all this data. You can see who's picking it up because everything in the podcast is um, trackable. Mm-hmm. You know everyone. We know who, who they are, where they live, um, which country they live in, which language they speak, mm. um, how long they they listen to us, whether they come back, we know who you are. You know? <laughs> we're coming to get you. You know, but so so so. But whereas traditional TV and radio audiences, they'll just say, "Oh, three hundred thousand people watched us last night." Mm. And what sort of quality was it? Were they watching it? Or were they ironing with it on? <laughs> but if you're going to choose a, uh, a podcast, you're invested. So you're more than one listener because you are. Yeah, well, for a start, they choose you. And they are, it is really intimate because they'll be, they've invested in this, and this, you're in their head. You might be, they might be in the car, on a train, or whatever, but, but it's, it's as close as you can get. You, you're literally sitting on their knee, or they're sitting, you know, that's a bit odd and creepy, I know, but it, that, that's the relationship, you know? It's tight. That's Whoa. true. That's you, when you think true. about it, you know? Yeah. You're not speaking to thousands, you are, but you're actually speaking to one person because they'll be on the train back into. Danny Moore tonight, and you're <laughs> in their ear. That's all that's in their ear. So it must, be a to- it's, it must be a total so flip true. for you when you're looking at it from the live, uh, record, the live uh, newsreels. Totally. To yeah, it's been a, it's been a, um, a bit of a, um, a mess with my mind, you know, mm. um, because I've I always did live, and it was yeah. um, although I did cut tape stories for years, you know, we cut you know, it's like this. But it's different. It's still played out live, you know, on the news or live television shows. And it's live, you know. This, our radio show didn't, didn't even have a delay on it, you know. We decided to just go with it, you know. Do you do a lot of editing with your podcasts? Um, uh, producer Davo does, yeah. I does. Okay. Yeah, because I might say, um, can you put that thing in there when that guy says, show me the money? You know, like little little um, little bits of character. <laughs> you might drop in there or whatever. Um, uh, <laughs> But, yeah, it's a totally different thing. You know, I'm used to going to that studio and it was um, two minutes to nine, two minutes we're on, 30 seconds, 10, 10, 10. All right, Cody, good morning, welcome to, you know, and you're on. And the, the, the train's left. You can't say, oh, can you stop there because I'm just going to, I'll just, just back the truck. Can you just, hold on, folks, I'll just, um, oh, we're on, are we? You know, so you can't, you're on. Yeah. Whereas podcasts, uh, the finished product may not be the um, true product. Oh, it depends how honest you are, you know. It depends on what you do in post, whether you cut this up, he's boring, we're going to chop him like seven days did, you know. So, <laughs> I'll know if you cut it Quality, Who's a head of quality control coming to get you? So, so, but that's the thing, you know, if, it, if it's, um, oh, I waffled a bit and it was two hours, 30, we'll get it down to two, two hours or whatever. You have the ability to do that. Mm. With a live television show, radio show, your producer's riding your backside. It's 17 past nine, we've got to go to a quick break because we're going to sell some lipospheric vitamin C, the best vitamin C in the business. You know, this is, mm. it's, it's the horse that you're on, you know. That must wow. be so buzzy. You, 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 know, you, you, can't, you can't walk away from it, you know, no. you're, you're on that yeah. train ride. Right. Eh? 
Whereas um, this is more space. And, yeah, they podcast. There's no, there's no rule book for them yet. There's no the BSA, so you can. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, you can do, you can say all sorts of things, uh, and just up to whether you, it meets your standards. Mm-hmm. You know. Cool. You know. <laughs> so, I, I don't know what happened to the sound there. <laughs> I don't know if that'll work. Beep, beep, beep. But, you know, so, you know, I have some people come on and they go, oh, no, 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 fuck, man. I'm oh, sorry about that. I said, no, don't worry about it. Like, does it matter? Like, someone who's going to, someone who's going to tune into your podcast, they're going to be mature enough to deal with that, I think, you know. Um, so, yeah, we still have standards, but. There's no one governing that. So on, on live radio, today, if, him, if someone would come bring with the F-bomb, I was always a bit slow with the dump button because I always thought it created a bit of energy. And you know, it was, you know, some guys, you know, I'm not going to leave my wife, you know, I've decided to give her one more chance, but fuck, this is hard, man. You know, I'm not going to beat it out. That's part of the conversation, mm. you know. So it's only if someone was to ring up and, you know, some pig-headed redneck you know, <laughs> going hard, I'd be like, dump, you know, because um, it would be not very classy and it would be, Bit confronting and you know too angry, you know. Um, had one guy ring up and he was he he hated men wearing pink, and um, it must be New South Wales. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he was he was adamant that, uh, that any 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 parent any father who puts their um, boy in pink um, was um, was uh, was raving um, gay and and it was terrible socialisation for this kid and everything. And I got really sick of this guy. I was wearing a pink shirt at the time, you know. And I started looking at myself. I'm like, this guy's just ignorant, you know. It's a bit like with the Maori language, you know. You've, you've, you know, you, you, my kids are all Maori speakers, yeah. And they, um, but they're both languages, and and that's a choice, you know, because um, you know the mother is is, is, is the Maori speaker, mm. so um, they can all have conversations about me, and uh, they think that I don't know. <laughs> But I got, I understand, and I got the handbook, you know, and you can just tell with their faces, like, <laughs> yeah, Papa, you know, like, you little pricks, is it? I've got to work out what you said about me. So, but people would ring up, and I was saying, oh, you know, I'm really anti the language, Duncan. This is why, and um, they'd give me the reasons, and I said, that's not a reason. So this is our job to promote the. We are this language is Tonga Tefenua, First Nations people. It's their language. Are we going to be responsible for overseeing the death of it? No, it's our duty to keep it and to, prom- and to promote it. Oh, this is so bad for us, mate. And I'm like, what's bad? I'm like, I'm like, what's bad is stopping someone from having their language. What do you mean? And I said, well, this is what we did 60 years ago. My son's grandparents um, were sent home from school for speaking to Del Māori. Where's that? When's that cool? You know, imagine that. Imagine if, all the, if they haven't all the white people in this country. Sure, you know English today. Mm. There'd be an uprising, you know. So you got to sometimes understand other people, and that's what I really enjoyed of, at Today FM was putting yourself in other people's shoes and just thinking, uh, "Can I talk about racism, or can I just hear about it?" There's the you know there's the dominant um, culture, you know, Pākehā uh, in this country. Um, maybe I'll just listen to others talk about it. I'm not going to. Oh, we can call it out, but I'm not in a good position to because maybe it's our people that have been guilty of this. So you learn a lot, eh? You know, you learn a lot from hitting out of the um, start gates too early on some things, you know. I made lots of mistakes in my 20s and 30s. Oh, yeah, lots of mistakes. But you, I'll, ne- I'll never forget how we learn from them, you know. Mm. Um, I, I tried to take out Rodney Hyde once. I really bad. tried to take him out hard, you know. And um, he was always very good to me. And he, I went down to – he called me down to Parliament. I was a little young guy. 
and he's sitting there, you know, like his rhinoceros. And um, he pulls out this script, the script of my news piece. And I looked at it, I thought, he's graffitied it with all this highlighter. You know? Every highlighter thing was a mistake. Something like eight mistakes in this one page. And I'm like, oh. I was embarrassed. You know, I was a young journalist. And he says, I'm not going to take you to the Broadcasting Sands Authority, but um, you'll never make these mistakes again. Like, go and learn from it, mate. So he was like a teacher that day. But other assholes would have just finished me, you know. <laughs> but um, I appreciate that, you know. And you every- for a week, <laughs> no, but every, but every, every but I learned. I, I, I'll never forget things like that because there are similar moments in your life where someone gave you a break. So l- make sure you learn from it. You know, mm. make sure you take advantage of that rather than um, be entitled and arrogant. So yeah. cool, got away with that. I'll get away with it again. You know, I like that. Yeah, it's cool. Like Duncan. Well, how do you deal with that, Duncan? Because you, you bring up a good point in terms of racism and, and all that kind of stuff. And obviously, um, some of the backlash when you're working on radio. So how do you do? How do you do with some of the backlash and the, and the trolls that come after you and and just kind of you, how do you protect, how do you protect your mind in, in terms of? So I came off social media um, uh, about eight years ago. I made a conscious decision. I was at home, and I was running my own Twitter account and Facebook and all this, and hosting an AM show. And I was just inundated with you know with stuff all day. I could have I, when I did. I you know, went home and I started to battle these people. And at one stage, I was three hours deep into this. Oh. Fuck you, you know, email to this guy who was just a prick. And I was on the end of my bed, you know, like this. So it sounds like a rapper. And, um, and um, there's a knock on my door, and it was my boss. He'd been trying to get hold of me. I hadn't seen the phone ring. He said, what are you doing? I said, oh, just ask. He goes, give me that. He turned off all my social settings, and he goes, you need to think about this. And I decided that day, I'm out. Mm. I'm not going to engage in it, you know. I don't – what good – does it do for you? And I'll tell you what, my mental health is, I don't know what they're saying about me right now on social media. Um, it's probably, you know, for every asshole, there's someone who will hopefully um, um, flip it on its head and say, no, he's all right, or this or that. Mm. And I don't actually care. I like, at Parliament, I was there so young and for so long that I just um, got the skin that you feel it's really rough. It's really tough. Oh, wow. yeah. Well, see? Oh, yeah, 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 there's a gun. But I, I, I got like a, this, um, this, this really thick skin around me because you had to because mm. Parliament's this adversarial place where they want to smash you. Like there's a winner and a loser. You don't want to be the loser every day, you know. So and that just teaches you. What does it teach you? You go home arguing with your wife. You've got to win it all the time. You know, like, you, you're running around for the first fifteen years of your life wanting to win everything and lose nothing. You know because this is what Parliament turned me into this animal, this feral animal. Wow. It was just feral. What? <laughs> but you turn fear away because this is what the place teaches you. Because any sign of weakness or vulnerability, they'll screw you. Mm-hmm. So it's not a great place. And that's why I was on this Facebook thing, on social media, battling with these people. And that's unhealthy. So I got rid of it. I tell you what, I don't care what they're saying. I had my weekends back. I could watch my son's rugby without... I'll get you later, Raymond. You know, like <laughs> Raymond. You know, like this is one person. They don't even. Sometimes I was, I was arguing with someone who was anonymous. I didn't even know it was a bot or whatever. You know, like <laughs> it was a bot. I'd be pissed off. <laughs> but you, you're on the sideline now. You know, your son's rugby or whatever or daughter's thing. That's cool. And you know, I'll get back to this guy. And next minute, ten minutes is gone. You missed the game or whatever. So, when's that healthy? Social media screwing our kids. Mm. It's playing with the algorithms in their head TikTok uh, uh, Sometimes my son hops in the car after school And I th- say to myself If he um, doesn't say hi to me today I'm going to turn the car off and sit there He hates sitting in the car so I'll just sit there <laughs> Ch- 
Et il s'arrête, un secteur. Hey, mate. Hi. Where are we going? I thought, I just wait till you say hi. It's, um, we've been waiting here 15 minutes, you know. I've done this a couple of times after school. Cool. Just to show you this behaviour. Mm. Like, get in the car. Hey, Dad, how are you? Good, how's your day, mate? It's a strange thing, having nice um, hellos and goodbyes. It's, it used to be sort of commonplace, but now everyone's just chasing stupid vapes or stupid um, social yeah. media. I mean, even the postures that they're developing, eh? Huh? Just the body postures. I know, there's um, um, this trans something neck thing. Hmm. Yeah. It's, I mean, all the injuries that they're going on. Sit up, But yeah, but it's true though. Yeah. It's true. So I, I say to him. So he's up at the moment. He's um, he's up north, you know, in Hokianga. He's got his phone on him, but um, he's outdoors, you know. So that's a good thing. Yeah. You mentioned Hokianga quite a bit in a lot of your interviews. What's so special do, about Hokianga? Because you're also going to move there at some stage. Yeah, I'd like to move there. Um, I thought the houses would be a bit cheaper, actually. And that drive, that gorge, oh. Oh, you don't like it? No, it's one of the worst. <laughs> Tried 20 years ago when it was gravel, you know. <laughs> At least you could do burnouts. But what's um, up there that is, it sounds uh, like a hot place for you. You know, I had a place up there, but, uh, you know, when the marriage goes, the house goes. So I tried to keep it, but uh, the house, not the marriage, was right? <laughs> So, oh, yeah, definitely. So, so I've, I've, I've had a sort of a place there for a while. But my mates are there, you know. We've always gone, you know. Yeah. Um, we got lots of memories there. We've been there since we were teenagers, and it's sort of um, it's West Coast, so you know, but like Lee were hard, you know, like West Coast hard. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Not um, east. And and our mate, you got a farm there, and we, my my good mates live there, and they run you know tourism business there, or you know Sparky. It's just it's it is an extra hour though, isn't it? it and is. that keeps Auckland as away. Uh, uh, yeah. Because <laughs> they I mean, go to the east coast. <laughs> here and places like they have islands and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and they're not game enough to go through Kaikoi anyway to get there. Oh, that gorge. The, the forest, it's to be tiny marjoras. That's where the big tree is. Oh. It's beautiful. Oh, it ever, is when you get be, there, but yeah, it's but just driving there. Like, yeah. Oh, the bag yeah. And stuff, no, yeah. Hard out. yeah. Who's the driver, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's the guys who are local and they don't drive slow, they like zip. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, if they, if they slow down the car, <laughs> stuff's out, you see, so you got to keep going. But it's, I agree with you. It's actually only three hours, ten minutes, you know. Only. Well, what, so most people in Auckland, they can handle two hours. Yep. And that's what makes it special. It's not overflowing with people. Hmm. Like last weekend, there was like hundreds and hundreds of people in um, Russell and Pai here and jumping off walls, doing Birdman and stuff. And there were like ten people in our local pub, you know. <laughs> And only one set of teeth, you know. <laughs> real teeth. <laughs> they went real, man. They were clacking. But I think he was sharing them with the wife. But they were clacking away, you know. But this is this is um, West Coast awards and all, you know. This is yeah, where yeah. this is where government money never ends up unless it's Shane Jones getting you a wharf or a seawall or something. Uh, but the houses, people live in shacks, and what's happened is. I'm really critical of this. this you know, Jacinda said, "Don't get me started. There'll be a section coming on Jacinda. Just wait, folks." Uh, but. Um, uh, uh, Jacinda stood in front of Napu you know, a number of years ago, and I was there, and she said, we will you know, get into a special relationship with you. We will audit ourselves. We will look at progress. We will we'll come back to you, and you come to us if there's a problem. Well, you know, I always use that test as the housing in Hawkeye. How's it looking? You know, well, Cyclone Gabriel came through, and that took the last remaining little corner of the roof off. People are living in tents. Mm. I went past a family the other day in a tent. I slowed down. I was like, shit, what? when was that happening? They always lived in lean-tos, if you know, know what I'm talking about up there. Garages, lean-tos, sheds, whatever, house buses, whatever they can. 
But the middle of winter in a tent? Yeah. Now, if that was in um, um, Glen Innes tomorrow, if that was in uh, Ponsonby tomorrow, uh, one news and three news, or no, news hub, whatever they call themselves, they'll be down there with a reporter and the cameras, and this is outrageous, we must stop this. But it's in the Hokianga. Mm. It's out of sight, out of mind. Wow. And Jacinda's gone. She just, she's gone. She, do we know where she is? She, she was at De La Salle the other week. Just saying. That might have improved things. <laughs> um, uh, for both of them. So, so the thing, for, the thing is, um, where's the where's, where where is she being held to account for those promises to the people of the north? Mm. You know, no wonder they don't trust the government. No wonder people don't trust governments because they go in there, they say this shit. Well, I remember it. Yeah, I like to hold them to every word of it. Don't say it if you don't mean it. Yeah, you know, it really riles me. You know, like. Um, Oh, we'll do this and we'll do that, and it sounds good. It sounds good on the news. Uh, job done, guys. This, this government is is a, is classic for um, uh, committing money to an area. We'll spend a hundred. We'll spend one point nine billion on mental health. Mm. Like, <laughs> we'll <laughs> spend it, all right? On what? Oh, well, Where we see we'll spend it. And what are we spending on, John? John, <laughs> oh, John's left. Um, what did you spend Grant? on? No, what? Grant? Grant? Hey, no, he's not the other. So, what we what? If you're going to say spend on something, create oh, this is where the bureaucracy's the most inexperienced, ineffective bureaucracy in our history. Um, no one's got any institutional knowledge anymore. No one knows how to make you know put two hammers and some nails there to get that thing going. Uh, they're butt covering, they're butt covering mm-hmm. assholes. These guys who don't actually um, make any progress to anything. The politicians, the best politicians, know how to make those bureaucrats work. Who are those best politicians? Because you say yeah, make the bureaucrats work. Well, you say anymore. So there must have been a time where you know, people like Annette King could get. Um, she'd say to them, she'd get them in the office and say, if you guys fight in public, then I'm going to take the money off you. (gasps) (laughs) We're not fighting anymore. You know, so she had her techniques and the stuff would get done. You want to get it done or you want to be out the door? So she would hold them to account. Very experienced people like Mm. that. Um, Michael Cullen. Oh, yeah. Um, Just passed away. Yeah. He he designed KiwiSaver on Mm. the back of a rifle pad. Sitting at the beach in Napier a few years back. And he's sitting there and he goes, well, I might like to do a Kiwi Saver. We we'll call it Kiwi Saver because they had Kiwi Rail, Kiwi Bank. What do we call the savings? Thing? Kiwi Saver makes sense, you know. Yeah, it starts getting easy when you franchise it, like Burger King, you know. And uh, where's Joseph? And and so what you've got is, he goes, well, we'll put a $1,000 kickstart in there for every kid. Um, you put in 2%, your employer puts in 2%. This is great. You know, employers are never going to give you free money unless the government forces them to. So I signed up, you know, on the dot, signed all my kids up, you know. Uh, and there's quite a few kids, you know. So um, <laughs> I think that's when they changed the, uh, the, the $1,000 thing. Oh, Duncan signed up the kids. Oh, we're out of money. <laughs> so um, the, the, it was a great scheme, though. Well, that's a legacy, though. That's a le- he yeah. has a legacy. Yeah. So he's dead and buried, Michael Cullen. Mm. But, and he wasn't everyone's cup of tea. But um, he, he has got things in that parliament that remain today. Jim Anderson, Kiwi Bank. What politician, what can John Key say he got? We'll go back after the break. <laughs> you know, but you know what I mean though? Like, you know, he, well, he actually got us through the, a really big global recession because he understood money. True. And you, 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 yeah. you, you can take that for granted. We can look at the current lot and think, oh yeah, those guys were quite smarter, you know, yeah. about English. And, um, mm. John Key, they understood money and how to fix things. This government... Um, did you want to go there now? For every decision you take in, a, in an economy, there's a 
an effect on something, right? Mm. So we will go and stop tenants, uh, stop landlords, owners of houses, from um, being able to claim interest on all their spending on the house. We're going to stop them getting those perks. We're going we're to stop them getting 20 grand a year. You know? Okay. Well, that means they won't build the next house and there'll be a housing shortage. Yeah. Because these guys are the developers and the speculators. Mm. But they didn't see this, you know. But well, the, the advice comes on your desk as a minister. You've got plenty of advice. Did they read it? Like, how come they said they're going to do this on all the stuff on cancer? Yet Australia has 100 drugs more than we do when it comes to fighting cancer. If I got cancer today, I'd be in Australia tonight. Because mm. we don't have the drugs that they have. For every 50 cents we put into them, they put a dollar in. So who are the experts that feed into that? Or is it that they're just not reading it, they're just kind of just... Um, everything's a priority. Every decision the government takes is a decision they haven't taken somewhere else. Mm. So you can't tell me that when COVID hit... Oh, they found the money. They printed the bloody stuff. It was called quantitative easing. That's right. Sixth form of dealer sale stuff, you know. It's quantitative easing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe fifth form. But um, I never knew what it was. Too. Quantitative easing is basically just let the money out, you know. So mm. they let money into the, um, into the, into the community. They let heaps of it. Mm. There was no tests, no nothing. Just if you're a business, um, grab the money where you can. So I had friends that set up the business. So, oh, also, um, <laughs> the window cleaning business, you know, and suddenly they get yeah, $40,000 for the window cleaning. Oh, where's the brushes? You guys haven't. You know, so there was some corruption going on around this, you know, and some people pay it back, some won't. And that's, that's on you as a citizen, um, what sort of citizen you are. But, you know, uh, there's money around, you know. Mm. They could put, they could pump. My dad died of cancer, you know, mm. and um, he had to pay 10 grand for these pills and they did, they did jack shit. And, you know, mm. um, him, his illness now, if he, was, if he got it now, he'd last five more years rather than the one year he lasted because the developments, you know. But we're not, with men's health, you know, we are researching the wrong cancers. So we research these different cancers, but they're not the cancers that men get. We get the prostate one, you know. Most New Zealand men will die of prostate cancer, but not of it. They'll just die with it, you know. Yeah. Um, we don't investigate the right cancers. Um, for every dollar forty that goes into women's health, six cents goes into men's. So when you say well, well, that's why we die earlier, oh, we die wow. twelve hundred days earlier on average than, than you. Yeah, you'll be sitting on your own. You like you like the idea? Of that? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, we will be we'll be we'll be having a party in the sky, the skies, and you'll be looking for friends down here. Yeah, because you're going to live longer than us. So when you say that men are dying with prostate cancer, are they not told? It's not diagnosed. It's not or? picked up. Wow. Because the screening's not there. So the screening, it's no. not part of the screening for men's health. Not, not, not until a certain age. I think you, you get it when you're 60. Too late. Yeah, it is. So when, what do you mean, Doug? In terms of the screening, we don't have the equipment or the technology? Or well, or yeah, well the, and it, comes down to that, it comes down to that, you know. Oh. Um, we don't have, we have, it hasn't been a push, you know. We've pushed her septin and the breast cancer and that sort of thing. So my mum got breast cancer and she survived. My dad got kidney cancer and died. There's your example, you know. Oh, wow. So it's good that they prioritise one of them because otherwise I'll be orphan. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we can do stuff. Them. You know, in yeah. Southland, that lady built a, a charity hospital because they didn't have the right services for her, hus- for her husband, Blair. You know, this is a first world country. What are we doing with all this money? Now, the mm-hmm. government spent – we're going to go there again. <laughs> the government spent um, $28 billion more this year – billion, billion – 28 billion more this year than they did when they first took office five and a half years ago. Right? $28 billion. Oh. Does it feel like that when you look at the services and the, <laughs> the strains and the pressure? Does it feel like, or does it feel like they're just pissed up against the wall? Oh, it is pissing up against the wall. I mean, look at the wait times for people to be able to see any sort of. What wait times? You just, they just they kiss you off. It's overload. Well, that's yeah. right. They'll just send you back home and you haven't even been screened. 
why did you leave home in the first place? So, you know, I've, I've had a couple of things go wrong and mum goes, you go down to the hospital. I'm like, mum, I'll die if I go there. I'll die waiting. You know, that's the thing. You know, I know people that have waited 14, 15 hours, walked out. The woman in minimal hospital, he walked out and she died. This is not Zimbabwe. Uh-huh. This is New Zealand. Yeah. And minimal is a disgrace. Now, did they let that happen because, well, they just let it happen. No one's going to moan down there. Right, South Auckland, this is, this is what you get. That's terrible. It is terrible. A woman walked in there for help, and she walked out still waiting and died. Where's the fuss being made of that? Yeah. Mm. So did they cover the story? They co- did they yeah, they got covered. Yeah. Yeah. But she went in for, for some care and came out and died. I mean... That's uh, negligence. Yeah, it know? is. I mean, and... and I'd screw the bastards if that was my mum. Absolutely. You yeah. should. They should. Well, it's not my mum. But no, but did they? Yeah. Did they make a complaint about it? Did oh, they well, get they, they, it depends on what this family wanted to do, and you know, culturally they might be shy or don't like, know the processes, whatever, all that stuff, you yeah. know. But, but we had, um, you know, we talk about mental health and stuff. We had 157 vacancies of um, psychiatrists last year. 157. I was doing an article. Psychiatrists. Yeah, so, and psychologists. You know, it shrinks. It. We're getting yeah. means here to see if, if we're okay. You know. You know. <laughs> I'm not sure about that guy. <laughs> so they're bringing an extra psychologist. Go, Didn't you they? Know, he's it? got problems. <laughs> Deep problems. What are we going to do with this guy? Colin, what are we going to do? But there's no Colin. There's no Audrey. There's none of these psychiatrists around. 157 vacancies. And yet they have such a limitation what on the doing? entry, right? Oh, entry well, not of, now. I think they've, they've just I've opened the gates to get in here and do what you like. Quickly. We were too slow to open the gates, you know. Too slow we on sh- everything. We, 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 um, we shut New Zealand off, present to lockdown. And then, um, and then John Key was right. Going into lockdown is easy. Coming out is hard, but, you know, when do you come out? And we were just drifting, you know. Our economy drifted. So the world chose Australia and the world chose South Africa. The world chose Canada. The world chose Singapore. The best people, the best and brightest people, they all travel. They all do, you know, these things when you're young and you go to places. No one came here. We got one nurse in three weeks. One Filipino nurse in three weeks. She's going to be busy. You know, because they're the best nurses. New Zealanders mm. don't, we don't work like we used to. Mm. You know, why don't we work in orchards anymore? You know? Yeah, and they're bringing overseas RSC. Oh, workers. yeah, yeah. And, and, and those guys, um, by all accounts, they need the work and they've got good money for their village back home and stuff. And they're good workers, yeah. But what happened to us Kiwis? Yeah, that's yeah, right. What's, that? what, what's, what's happening? Well, I, 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 well um, they'll pay good money now, too. I've spoken to a number of um, orchardists who will, who will pay 35 bucks an hour, and, you know. Forty bucks an hour, so the the work's there. But when you give welfare so easily, and I'm not mm. advocating for to end welfare, but I think welfare is one of the most toxic policies you can give someone because yeah. then you say this is your lot. Now, if they're happy with that, oh, this is what just every week. I'm getting this four hundred bucks. Easy money. Yeah, okay, the pokey's making eight hundred. <laughs> you know, so they they you know maybe it should be time limit welfare. I kids will suffer from them, I think, but. Um, and we give too much middle class welfare. Why does my mum get a heating allowance? Does she? Yeah, she got a heating and it's still cold. But you know, like, <laughs> but so, so you know, there's comfortable middle class people are getting eighty bucks a, a month or a week, whatever it was from Jacinda, for the heating for the heating allowance. Yeah. But, but, but what about the people down the road who've got no house? Yeah. Yeah. And why does it take so long to build in this country? Why why have we not even allocated money for a second harbour crossing in twenty twenty three? Why did they say there was going to be a light rail to the airport? Mm. 
and it would be f- completed by 2023. They said this in 2017. I thought, don't bullshit us, mate. And they did. And they, they, were, they haven't even put a, uh, turned, the, turned the spade yet. Yeah, a lot of promises. Phil Twyford came out and said, um, Kiwi um, built 100,000 houses over mm. 10 years. It was a slogan. <laughs> the last time someone lived in a slogan was when, you know? It was a slogan. It wasn't even a policy. They had nothing... And they so had nothing behind it. And, when that cyclone, and we got suckered. And when that cyclone, cyclone hit, you could see the quality of those houses weren't even... You know, it was a big cyclone. Up. Up to standard. And yeah, it was a big you know, cyclone. But. Yeah, that cyclone, um, I'll never forget this. This was the, like a moment from hell. I'm on air, right? Is mm. it Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever it was? And it was 10 o'clock, it just hit 10 o'clock in the morning. We're still on air, we hadn't died yet. Yeah? <laughs> and we're not far away there. But anyway, so 10 o'clock and I get this phone call from this um, guy. He was really upset. And he was sitting on the roof of his house in Hawke's Bay. Remember, news hadn't come through yet. No one sort of knew anything. It was like another country, you know. Um, and I said, Harry, how are you, mate? Yeah, not good. I said, what's happening? He goes, the cyclone's come through. It's the first time I'd heard it that morning. And I was like, are you okay? He goes, I'm trying to find my wife. Oh. I find my car's in the top of the tree. The bank had given way down the back of the house. He's on the top of his roof. And I want to know where my wife is, he said. And my kids, they were with my wife. But my car's at the top of the tree. And I could just picture this. I thought, well, this is horrific. Next minute, the light started lighting up on the, on the, in front of me in the dash. And um, this woman, I'm looking for my husband. And I thought, oh, shit. We have got this catastrophe in our hands. The people had transistor radios with batteries in them, the old-fashioned thing. Oh, those ones. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. well that's more of a ghetto blaster. Like, <laughs> no. Uh, uh, trans- you know those ones? <laughs> Snoop Doggy Dog. Uh, so, but these were just the little transistor ones. And people were listening to other people's stories. In yeah. Bay. They were in the valley across, but no one knew anything. Mm. There wasn't, you know, flashy TV coverage. ZB was talking about bananas, cost of bananas, I think, at the time. I think they were jumping on the slippery, slipping on the skin. And... We'd focused on this Hawke's Bay thing. See, we knew something wasn't right, and the light just lit up. And to to this day, I still get emails from people saying, oh, well, we've recovered now. My name's Joan, and uh, thank you very much for giving a shit about us. Yeah. You know, and, and I'll, never, I'll, never, I'll never forget that day. Mm. I'll never forget the day that we, the country didn't know. You know, I still feel guilty that, you know, we did it the next day, and the next day, and the boss is saying, well, do you think this is overload now in three days? And I'm like, fuck off. <laughs> That's just people's lives, yeah. you know. And radio it was the technology that could get them through a little transistor, you know, the sort of thing you might listen to a summer of cricket on or something, you know. In comes Chatfield, new balls now, you know. Uh, so, so right these, these people were connecting with us, and um, wow. then you saw the pictures come through later in the evening, and they interviewed the same guy. That's that guy that it must have been the guy Harry. He's sitting on his roof still. All this shit. Yeah. I, I, th- I think that they. Why didn't the government go up there and set up a tent, like a one-stop shop? Mm. You know the money, the allocate, the, there was $38 million in the Merrill Fund, $40 million in the Merrill Fund, and um, $20 million of it was unallocated. After the process went through, people got all their grants, and all these people missed out, they sent $20 million back to the government. What? I know. That's, that's always corruption itself. Yeah. Reopen it, and those people that missed yeah. out, if you're being conservative in the first place, what was your settings? What was your criteria? Mm. What the hell are you doing? Yeah. Have a tent, open access, the you know the officials are all there, do your job. Yeah. One, one insurance company had just one person working on it, and she was a temporary. She was a temp doing maternity cover, because her mum rang me and said, I'm not going to say what the firm is, it's a big insurance firm, and she's in charge of the Hawke's Bay desk. She was... 20 hours a week temporary on maternity cover with six weeks to go. And she was in charge of hundreds of yeah. 
No wonder they weren't getting settled. Mm. Yeah. Well, the saddest thing is because me and Brad work for organisation that still work um, work alongside families that were affected by the floods. Yep. That happened in Jan. We still got families that are still in those houses um, that have no carpet and their houses are still messed up. And the only support that they have got is through organisations like us and their and stuff gifted by yeah. Brown Butter BBM. Yeah. And well, he took trucks down. I had people ringing me up when they heard these interviews and they said, I'm going to hire a truck and I'm going to come and take it up to MediaWorks where you are, Duncan, and I want to invite the country to come and drop shit off and we're going to take it down there. And they did. Well, yeah. But that's, that was because people are good people. Mm. But where was the government coordination on this? You know, they reckon that you're on your own for seven days in a big cyclone you know, in this country. We saw that. Mm. It was more than seven days. They still are now. David Telly was like a god, mm. you know, taking this. But he takes his enthusiasm down too. You mm. see, into spirit, you know, because people need to see that. Hope. It's not, yeah, they need to see hope because without mm. hope, it's like a life sentence. You know, if you don't have hope, you have nothing. Yeah. yeah. Like the only thing is, the only, sometimes the only thing that gets guys going is hope. Prisoners would ring me, yeah, and I, I don't, I don't judge. You know, I, I just sit back and take calls. You know, Shane. On B block or D block or whatever, out of Padimolimo, you know, he's a bad man, Shane, but he's still someone's son, you know, and someone's wife, a husband. If he's someone's wife, that's inside. You know? <laughs> I don't know what you're doing there, Shane. <laughs> for Shane. Uh, but Shane, he's a, he's a hard bastard, you know, and he's inside for 15 years. So 15, he rings you up. So this, I got a phone call. Um, Duncan Shane, I ring you from Padimolimo. Uh, you have five minutes, you know, it says on this, you know, this voice of God at the back, you have two minutes. You know, he goes, I'll bring you back. Cause I said, well, how are you going to do that? He goes, oh, I've got my ways. But so the reason I'm telling you the story is because he's got a wife and kids and he's doing it hard because he doesn't get visits anymore. Hasn't for three years because apparently corrections don't have the staff anymore. So these guys no longer see their families. Now, what's the one thing that keeps these guys alive and with hope? Their visits every Sunday from yeah. their wife or whatever um, and their kids. I I would just hit the wall. They've been good. They've they've stayed calm. I'd be up burning mattresses on the roof. Yeah, you know I'd just lose it. But this guy rang me to tell me this is what's going on in their heads. I said, um, send your wife down, and we'll, I'll interview her. So he did. He will. We organise this. His wife comes down to the studio, and he rings me from putting one more again. These guys are open access to phones now because they've got nothing else. So they're basically giving phone cards now. Two hundred minutes a day, I think. Anyway, so she comes in. His wife. And he rings me, hey, Duncan, Shane, I said, hey, mate, you, you got her there? I said, yeah, yeah. Hey, bit of uh, eye candy, mate, for you, what do you reckon? Bit of eye candy, he says to me, you know, from his cell. I looked at his wife and I said, yeah, I'll look after him, mate, don't worry about that. And he's like, hey, whoa, whoa, what do you mean? I said, just joking, mate, just paint it off, paint it off. He, what are you going to do about it anyway, mate? Um, anyway, so he called her eye candy. I'm like, yeah, she's all right, mate. Um, yeah, what do, you want me, what do you want me to say about this, mate, you know? Um, anyway, so we did the interview, and you can see that she wanted him out. He's got another nine years to go. That's a long leg, you know. Yeah. Why was she not visiting him? She's not allowed. She's not allowed. Right. Right. They've got those staff, so you can't. So the baddest yeah. bastards have all been, right. you know. Yeah. Um, but most of the prisoners have got their families back now. You know, visits every Sunday, forty-five minutes. You imagine it. She drives four hours for that forty-five minutes. Yeah. But for them, they get that one hug at the start, and it's just, you know, if you're inside of fifteen years. If you're getting hugs inside, you know, that's, that's not good, you know. <laughs> you don't know what's going on. But um, when you get one hug once a week from your partner, it lasts maybe two seconds because they're worried about stopping contraband and stuff, 
you look forward to that. That's yeah. your big. We don't understand, you know. We 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 just we just don't get it. Yeah. So it's a big deal. So when a guy rings me like that on air, and can you give me the time of day, Dan? I always do, mm-hmm. and I, I'm 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 open to it, you know. Yeah. And uh, whatever you did, you did, you know. And you're inside. You're getting punished for that. Do you punish them again by not sending their families in? That's when guys top themselves, and that's when guys need to talk. And yeah. who's talking to them? Who's giving them rehab? Yeah. These guys are hu- they're human beings. That's where radio. That media, powerful, yeah. powerful, powerful way, yeah, powerful. And podcasts, and podcasts, yeah. yeah. But with the radio, you you don't because with podcasts you have to have Wi Fi. You've got to be able to access that with. Thank God for that broadband. Eh? Um, <laughs> radio, you get it via frequency and just a little bit of electricity. Radio, they, so much these more guys powerful. inside have got lots of time on their hands, eh? So they're really good at table tennis. Yeah, they're really good at powerlifting and all that sort of stuff, and um, they're good at following the media. Mm. I found, you know, I, I will be walking through town one day and. Oh, hey, Duncan, my name's Philip, you know, hey, mate, how are you? Oh, it's done 10 years, man, I watched you every day or something, you know, like, cool. uh, yeah, yeah. I wish they'd ticked a few boxes in the survey for today, <laughs> you know. Might, might, might still be, we got the press, we got the press is watching, guys. <laughs> what, what, what is it, Duncan, what is it about, um, because it is interesting, Duncan, the people are ringing you and calling you, what is it about you in, in particular as to what people are calling you, what is it? Tell you what it is, I'll tell you what it is. I've always, I've never promised, um, Anything, and if I promise it, I'll do it. So um, there was a guy called Tana Poor. He was a South Auckland boy. Yep. He got put away for twenty-two years for a crime he didn't do. And I know he didn't do the crime because he, he stole cars. He wasn't. He, he had, had no history of, um, of violence or sex crimes. And suddenly he was being pinned by the police in the most corrupt um, of, of charges and cases. And he did twenty-two years inside Palmerston Prison. For the first ten years, he had no visitors. For the first 10 years, he had, so for 3,600 odd days, yeah, he had time. not one visitor. Can you imagine sitting in this room for 10 years? I'll come back and see you in 10 years. And seeing everyone else go visit their farm. Or but he didn't fun. do it. Mm. And so um, a really good police officer called Tim McKinnell, he resigned from the cops because he knew he didn't do it. He went to put him on him and tried to see Tanner and I'll take on your case. He said, Tanner wouldn't see him, didn't trust him. Why would you? And then he saw him, and then he realised, put it all together. We got involved with the media, and um, we put that story together, and we, we, he got him out, you know? Wow. And the media walk away from that, so, you know, I never walk away. Because Taylor said to me when he got out, oh, I'd love to go fishing. Because he'd, he'd been inside for 22 years. So when he came out, the phone booths are suddenly telecom phone booths, not those red ones, and they've got cell phones, and he's never done any of this shit, you know? Everything's changed, you know. We're in old clothes, Tanner, in 1989, <laughs> you know. So all these things have changed. And then he goes, oh, can you take me fishing? I said, yeah, I'll tell you if I spin in my car first, get on the motorway. <laughs> we'll open it up. Yeah, he liked that. And then I went up to his, up to his apartment and he, um, I said, um, I can learn from you too. How come your bed's in the lounge? He goes, bro, when you have the smallest cell all your life, you want the biggest room when you get out. It made sense, you know. So in the bedroom was the dining table, and um, and I said, "We'll go fishing. Go fishing tonight. I'll take you. I'll take you fishing." All the media had spit and run by then. You know? This is my own time, but I enjoy it. You get to know the real person you know, when the cameras are off, you know, and you can learn lots and stuff. So um, I took him fishing. I said, "Well, here's your rod. This is the you gave it to me. I said, I gave it back to him. He goes, can you put it together for me?" I said, "Well, can you do it?" No, he can't. Never had a dad. Never got taught. Mm. No one's doing fishing courses inside Padilla Prison. Eh? If something fishy is going on there, it's not fishing, you know. <laughs> so, so I showed him. He goes, "Can you show me, please?" And the, what the knots and everything. So I'm suddenly realising because he's exactly the same age as me by about a month, you know. 
So it's the same, all the things that I experienced, he didn't, but he heard about them. It's tough on the guy. So, um, and then the media was told, you know, he's got all these slowness things going on. He's a sharp operator. He's this, you know, I, I got to know the real Tanner, and, you know, he rang me one night and he said, um, Duncan, Tanner, I said, hey, he goes, can you do your job for me in the morning? And I said, um. <laughs> what sort of job, boss? <laughs> he goes, um, can you drive to Auckland Domain? Because you, you are asking me the question, why do they ring me? Can you drive to Auckland Domain? And um, my mate of mine, um, Casey, is under the um, stand there shitting himself because he was on Crime Watch or whatever it is last night. They're going to shoot him because he's an active shooter. And I said, oh, okay, yeah, do you want to know? <clears throat> yeah. Is he big? And um, he goes, no, but he'll be waiting for you. I told him that you'd do it. I said, oh, yeah, I'll do it then. Man. So... I told TV3 they wanted to get me a security guard, and I'm like, oh, I'll take my mum, you know, we're like, what are we going to do here? I'm like, I can handle myself. So I drove up to the um, Auckland Domain, and it was quiet, and I heard this rustling under the, I drove, I drove through a checkpoint to get there, because they're looking for him, right? I'm like, shit, this is all on, I love this stuff. And um, he came out sweating, because he'd been on the run for two weeks, you know, they, they wanted to shoot him, he had firearms charges. And he goes, Duncan, I said, Casey, how are you, mate? And we shake hands. Can you get me back in one piece? And I said, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, just jump in the car. So he jumps in the car, and I'm driving through the domain. He goes, oh, stop here, stop here, bro, stop here. And he goes to the toilet. So he goes to the toilet, grabs his Vaseline, puts it around his phone, and it, whoosh, up his bum. And it, no, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. And then I drop him back at the, at the cop shop, and they take him to custody again, and he gets another four weeks on the sentence. How do I know this? Because at 11 o'clock at night, out came the phone. He texts me. What? All in capitals. Duncan, I've got four weeks. I'm out on June the 2nd. Can you please pick me up from oh. Mount Eden? No worries, bro. I, you want me to do that? Fine. Four weeks later, I went back to the um, prison, standing outside, you know. A couple of the guards had passed. Here to check yourself in, finally, mate. And I said, yeah, mate. <laughs> Funny, how many times you used that line on me? And then I see this figure walking out in this case. I haven't even met him once before, you know. And he goes, ah, oh, you're here, bro. And I said, well, you told me what the date was, and I've come back. He goes, I've been let down my whole life, mate. No one ever, oh. you know. And I've suddenly realised, you know, if you do something for someone, you say you're going to do it, and you do it, it is actually quite buzzy for them because their father might have said, you know, oh, I'll come watch you this weekend, son. They didn't know their father. Mm. There wasn't a dad on the scene, you know. That's another whole podcast. You know? <laughs> but um, so, and I haven't seen him since. We dropped him back at his halfway home, home in Henderson. And his pit bull terrier was waiting for him. He put his put his vest on and all that sort of stuff, and I was gone. Um, but subsequently, I've heard him. Uh, apparently, he's talked about me to other guys, and in um, really honest and um, good ways. Like he hasn't just gone and thrown me under the bus or whatever. He said, "Oh, you can trust this guy." So I've heard from some of his friends when they needed favours. It's usually getting them back alive to a police station when they're on the run or something. So yeah. I got to know a few of these gangsters, and um, you know, end of the day, they are someone's son, and um, they're not much different to you except that they jumped on the wrong walker you know, one night, mm. and they've and. They've, I'm friends with a guy who left the head under six years ago. I got to know him. He's one of the fathers in our team. He's a big man who's done a lot of violence, bank robberies, beatings and stuff, and he's a bad man. But he got out six years ago, and he's driving down my... He legitimately got out. The heads beat the shit out of him for leaving the gang, and they put two guys into the prison unit and beat him up. Anyway, he gets out of prison, and I didn't know him at this stage. He drove down my street 
there was a police operation in my street because there was a, a gang member across the road living. That's where he's talking. You get this stuff. <laughs> and so he comes down, he drives down with his son, and he's legitimately out, and he stops outside my house. He goes, hey, you fell off on the M show. Can we get a selfie, mate? Yeah, yeah. Big guy hops out, get a selfie. Yeah, you been? He didn't tell me anything about prison, then nothing. I didn't know anything. And then six years later, as in a couple of months ago, this guy turns up in our rugby team with his son. I looked at him and I thought, hey, no, we don't know this guy. Was it a nightclub or a bar or a rugby game? Or, well, how do I know this guy? And he goes, it'll be a Duncan Ricky. And I said, Ricky, remind me how I know you, mate. He goes, I got a selfie with you outside your house. Remember six years ago? I said, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's right, with your son. Yeah, yeah, that's him now. I said, gee, but I'll be I said, what, what was the deal with you? He goes, oh, I just got out of prison that day. And I said, ah. Now it makes sense. He told me his whole story. And he was abused by his father sexually and physically, him and his um, sister. He went away for five years for that. And he just stewed for five years and came back and did it again, you know. So these guys have had shit lives. Mm. You know, we got to understand that. There's a reason why they write those cultural reports, you know, that, that, that <coughs> the national party, they want to get rid of them. But they tell a story, you know. They, people don't just People aren't just bad. No. They're turned into monsters by a monster, you know. Yeah. And that generation before, you know, before him, they got a lot to answer for, you know. Mm. The state had care of some of these people and um, they were pedophiles. Yeah. State-sponsored pedophilia or state-sponsored mongrels that were looking after these kids. Yeah. You know, if you hand your kids over to Oranga Tamaniki, you cross your fingers and toes, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know where they're going. No, you don't. So and where, where's the accountability for that? You can say sorry all you like. Did you charge them? Mm. Did you take him to court? So, yeah, so in, the, in my job, you know, you, you've got to be um, who you are. You have to – don't overpromise. You've got to be authentic and real. Yeah. And you, you, I wear my heart on my sleeve, you know. Yeah, I was just, you do. I've I sort of morphed into um, – I used to be a political journalist, you know, covering budgets and all those. Oh, the best thing, when I got out of there, I went to the Homes Program when I had to cover this young 18-year-old woman who'd won Miss Horifanua. And um, so one minute I was doing all these budgets and things like yawn, and next minute, <laughs> hello, darling. Uh, you miss Horifanua, well done. This 18 year old who won it, she's trying to get herself a magazine deal for 500 bucks or something, you know. And, and I, that, the, the year earlier, I was political editor doing all these stories on the bloody um, budget. Next minute, I'm interviewing Miss Horifanua. There's another world out there, you know. Yeah, I don't. Especially for Miss Horifanua. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I don't know when I left Wellington and came talking and was, did radio and stuff. I've become more well rounded journalist, you know, um, uh, maybe more empathetic. You know, sometimes you'd be chasing stories down there. You thought this is the most important thing. What a load of horseshit! It just wasn't relevant to people's lives. You know? What's re- what's relevant? Cost of living, um, violence, mm. um, you know, um, gangs. How you live your life? Are you, can you afford your rent? Uh, do you have a house? A warm, dry house? Are your kids healthy? Those are the things that matter. Yeah. Um, not some of the stuff we used to chase down there. A bit embarrassed about some of it, but you're learning that stuff, you know. Um, have you found that it's ch- like in the decades? Because we're talking decades now, eh? This is you started in that area around Still the young, early no. <laughs> 1990s. <laughs> I started in. One, uh, I graduated in '93. Yeah, from, yeah, and I was in Lucky Daily News. So I was a sports reporter. I love that job. Lucky. Yeah, yeah. Daily News. Yeah. From down, North Shore to Westlake to Lucky. Yeah, yeah it's good. Yeah, and uh, I'm, uh, I couldn't wait to get away from North Shore, and. Um, <laughs> Oh, there's more than just white people in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! As I went to Taranaki, um, I loved that job. You know, the people were so good to me. The, the two sports editors, Murray Hills, Gordon Brown, I still keep in touch. Mm. Um, That's so good. Yeah, good people, you know. Yeah. Good earthy 
people, you know, play rugby down there. It was all fun. Um, paid 25 bucks a week rental. It was good, you know. Then I went, you know, got an internship at TVNZ. Uh, myself and this woman called Lucy Hawkins, who does the BBC. She has a BBC show. Her brother died in the Lofus Lodge fires. I remember her brother a lot. He's always hanging around. He's one of the victims of that fire in Wellington, you know. Oh, Why are we living in those accommodations? Yeah. Why I used to live next to that place in mm. Wellington when I first was first had having kids, rented this house just above it. And I, I remember that getting turned into a um, it used to be a paint store or something. It got turned into a lodge and I say, That's dodgy those you know, that's just do- it's just that's our standard of living. Yeah. We're no better than third world countries then if people are gonna die in their beds. Yeah. You know, this is almost like halfway house sort of oh. thing, you know. No regulations, no fire sprinklers. You know, we have all this fire, health and safety rules, and people with cones and vests coming out their coming out their ears. But we didn't have fire safety, you know. Didn't have sprinklers. Mm. Sprinklers here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah, good. So. Yeah, yeah. There's an ugly alarm that goes off. Yeah, but at least it goes off, you know. Um, I've sort of waffled through some things there, but you know, um, we, we have we have those lodges. We have people living in motels. Well, are we a poor country, or we we are a country that no longer knows how to do it quickly and big? Mm. We don't have scale, you know. We have muppets. But has it has it changed? Like, is it still the same well, issues from uh, when you this, started? How's this? Well, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. and I hear that all the time from people who come out of government roles or government positions. Same shit. They're like different no, day. They're like. You're sitting like we. I sit in the suicide prevention space, and they. I'm talking to them on the plane across from the other aisle, mm. really loud, and they're like, "Man, these stats that we you, you think you're trying to bring down, they've been around for decades." In 1935, they built state houses, right? I, I used to live in one in Wellington. They built 72,000 of them in a year. Now, come forward to 2021, 22, 23. And this government was crowing for building 5,800 homes over three years. We've done a great job. We've, done, we've built 5,800 homes. It'll fold in a bit of wind anyway. Yet in 1935, without any of the technology we have now, without any of the, the products, the technology and the skills, they built 72,000 state houses in one year. How could they do it then and they can't do it now? Yeah. Because they choose not to do it now. Was that under Longy? And when, 1935? Oh, sorry, I no, thought no, you said 1935. No, 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 no,
But that's the criteria for that is violent, yeah, domestic violence. And so for men, and I know I think it's Christchurch who are really trying to push for um, men who've experienced domestic violence in their relationships, and they're really trying to push for those kind of services. But you're right, there isn't. You know, a woman's refuge the night that. Um you know, have you heard of baby baby Mokko? Baby Mokko was killed in Tobol, yeah. Yeah. And um, so I read this report. I read the coroner's report. He was three years old. He was executed over six weeks by these two caregivers who threw him up against the walls oh. and kicked him out. It just—he looks like my son. My son was the same age, and it was ten to three, and I was about to go on Radio Live, um, the drive show, the afternoon show, and I had this ten minute skim read of this um, report. I felt my eyes welling up. I was sensitive going, you know, things like this affect me. I read this thing. I read this report into this boy's death. Who's this boy? And then I saw the lawyer's name in there and I emailed her. I said, where's the mum? Well, the mum was in the Auckland hospital with another child at the time looking after them. She was turned down by a woman's refuge. She didn't meet some criteria. So she was staying at the hospital. And the boy was getting killed slowly down in Topol. And um, I asked if I, um, if I could interview her, and um, they said yes. So she tur- I met her at um, uh, uh, um, LZ Racecourse, this neutral place, and she was angry, angry woman, really furious with the state and the system. Mm-hmm. I'm just a parlangy guy, that she, that, a journalist who showed some interest, and she tattooed the names of her kids down here, all, all the hurt and the anger. I, I, you know, a lot of guys were saying, oh, that's, that doesn't come across well. Shut up. She's lost her kid. It's just some ink, mate. Deal with it. Just, just, I, don't even, I don't even see that stuff. I really don't. And so I did this interview with her, and I just felt for her, you know. She'd got involved and had a gang guy, husband, you know. It just happened. Some one minute you're, you're not, next minute you're, you're pregnant with this gang guy, you know. It just happened. And um, she had lots of work to do, you know, to get her kids back and everything. And so... I, I wrote about this and I talked about this and I said, how are we doing this in this country? I said, we're going to march for Mokko. We're going to march for Mokko. And I wrote an article and I went to the sentencing of these two mongrels and I realised that morning, I turned on the news and they were marching for Mokko right around the country, all these people. Mm. And I was like, oh, this is good. You know, because I, I, well, I was with my wife then, but during that whole thing, I, I went to the spare room and... And would lie at night and just think about this kid, mm. you know, like this. And I lost sleep over it. I think it was the beginning of the end of my marriage, that shit, you know. I just couldn't, I just never recovered from this. And then the, the Nicola, the mum, she, I met her down in the Rotorua to make sure these two bastards went away. You know, they, they got maximum sentences of 17 years, whatever that means. It means that their kids are missing out on appearance too. And um, she said, Doug, I need one more thing, I need a job. I won't get my kids back, if you know, other kids back from welfare, if I don't have a job. Mm. And I said, okay, let me think about it. So I went back back home. She went her way. And I said, I, I, I can't find your job. Because every person I rang, you know, they didn't want they didn't want the, the gang mum with the tattoo face. And um, everyone, each to themselves. So I always said, I'll get, I'll get you a job. I don't want to let her down, you see. So I'm driving out to Monaco City here to pick her up. She's still angry, and less angry, looked a little bit softer, still angry. She thought I had a job for her, because I didn't say I didn't, you know. So I'm racking my brain all the way down State Highway 20. He's got a job, and I'm driving along here. And then I went past the Madai, and that's Willie Jackson. Now, I know Willie well through politics and radio and stuff. I rang him up and said, Willie, 
I got a deal for you, man. I got some workers for you. Um, so you know, baby Moko, and he goes, "Oh, the one with the tattoos." And I said, "Stop being so non-Maori. You're Maori." <laughs> and uh, next <laughs> week, I said, "You, you got to have my back here, mate. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go pick her up. I'll be there in 20 minutes." What? 20 minutes? What do you mean? I said, "Design a job, mate." So anyway, I picked her up. Are you all right? She's cool, fine, and nervous. Where are you taking me? You got my job? And I'm like, yeah, I got your job. Just, just the, camera, the phone was just hanging up, you know. And I drove straight down to the Madai and what is this? A whirlwind stuff, I guess. It's all organised, okay? And I took her in this is Nicola and Willie and then he, he sort of kicked into his, you know, Gilda hug. And then I think even he's even in front of me. He said, "What's your, 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 your tattoos?" Willie, like, shut up! <laughs> what? Shut up! <laughs> anyway, um, she's heard all that before. Um, and he gave her a job because they've got all sorts of Willie's got all the things going that go. He knows what's yeah. going on. Eh? Um, and he put her in charge of something. You know, you can just run that office bit there. Five years later. She's running the entire Madai, all his businesses and all the business enterprises. Mm. And he would ring me every now and then and say, oh, I'm so proud of her. She's, I said, I told you, Willie. <laughs> what do you mean you didn't believe me? You know, like, hey, she has a business degree. Anyway, recently, she I've always been in touch with her. Recently, she texted me to say um, that her ex was saying dumb things on, he was on um, social media saying, you know, people on social media telling people how great they are, right? They're, everyone's amazing. All these people that have never done anything wrong and they look amazing, and then you meet them and say, You're a bit different to that. So she had a beef with the husband again. Oh, don't get me involved too much. What can I do? She says, oh, I just want to come on your podcast and put the record straight. I said, You're welcome. Anyway, I hadn't seen her for a couple of years. She came in and um, she, the, the tattoos on the side here had come off her face, but she'd actually done this full. Moko around her face, it looked really suited her, and she looked a million bucks. Her, her mind, her mind was just on the spot. She had all her kids with her; they yeah. looked healthy, fit, uh, talkative, engaging. You can tell kids that are, you know, onto it, and they loved their mum. And then she spoke with, she was a counsellor, alcohol drug counsellor for what? people, and she told me amazing. Forty-five minutes, we just spoke, and you go, I still feel the hurt in here, but she's like my sister, you know. Yeah, and she was just a. I remember how it started? I read the report into the you journalists have got to read now, you know. Don't wait for something to run in the Herald, you know. Just you know, we've lost a lot of this, you know. Mm. The coroner's reports, you know, and then there was um there was um the funeral the funeral director. Chelsea was her name. Uh it was ten to three. But before I go in there, I got this call and uh, I saw it come out, I didn't recognise the number, but it was from Topol and she goes, Oh I'm Kilda Duncan, my name's Chelsea. I I was the funeral director of the night. I said, hang on a second, I was going to a room. I went into this, uh, the news box's um, little cubicle because I could feel myself going, what, what's this all about? I shut the door and she told me about the night that she took him. You know, he, he died and she hugged him and protected him as he, they flew him to Auckland. You know? And I'd never told Nicole of this. I was hearing it for the first time. And I meant to be on here in two minutes and I'm like, oh, that's too much for me. And I'm sitting in the news boss's um, cubicle thing here, and she's telling me this. She's bawling her eyes out. She'd never told anyone the story, and she just wanted to tell me, you know, that, that she had this moment with baby Moko on and he was badly bruised and beaten. And um, I waited five years to tell Nicole. I couldn't bring – every time I went to do it, I didn't have the courage to tell her. And I told her during this um, podcast, yeah. and she said, I knew. I was wondering if you'd tell me. I knew that you knew because I've subsequently heard – she wasn't angry, just like – I was wondering when you were going to tell me, and I said, oh, I didn't know how to do it, you know, I just, I was still raw, you know, five years yeah. on. She's my friend, you know, now. 
and I'm proud of you know I'm proud of you. At the at the day that the at the um at the court, uh, it was all over, and I was downstairs in the toilet, and I felt the door open behind me, and I thought, oh, this line of blue scarves and things. I'm like, oh, I want to take you on, <laughs> and I'm like, how many are there? I'm trying to look in the reflection on the urinal. That's not quite. You know, old-fashioned styles. It couldn't. It wasn't really a mirror. It was like, oh, there's a few guys there. I turned around. There's five Black Power guys there you because know, the father was BP, and he's in the middle. A short guy, and the other guys are big guys. And I turned around. Um, what can I do you for, lads? What's the deal? And he stepped forward, really respectful of the father, and he said, um, oh, "Kia ora, Duncan. Um, thank you for caring about my son." Um. And he was so respectful, all of them. Eh? Because initially you could have gone, oh, what have we got here? <laughs> On my shoes? Or you know? And he shook my hand, Hongi and I, all these guys, and, and they just sort of, thank you, boss, thank you, boss. And so they were really respectful, you know. Like, yeah. How you treat people in life is really important, you know, because it's uh, it's what you'll get back. Mm. So if people feel like they're getting a rough deal in life from people who are treating them badly, have a look at yourself. Mm. And um, my dad was a good man like this. He was quite reserved and... He loved a good time and fun guy, but I never ever really remember him saying anything bad about anyone. Mm. And I always remember him being a very sympathetic guy, you know, um, and a helpful guy, caring guy. And 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 I, I look at some people now that they some people are rude to them or whatever. Well, maybe you were just rude to them. Did you hear the way you spoke to them? Some people don't even hear and see themselves anymore. You know, they're so entitled with their their lives. My life's more important than you. Out of the way, please. You know. Well, I'm on the Q2 pounds. So just why you too, know? <laughs> there's not enough. There's not enough, you know. So it's, I'm, I'm a huge believer in um, karma. I'm not a religious guy, but my my I think my believe in karma. You know, like karma is a mm. powerful tool. You know, yeah. you know, powerful. Um, Do you get your empathy from your dad and your mum? Uh, oh, mum's tough. Mum's oh. uh, mum. Uh, mum will um, watch and listen to this. So I need to be very careful. Because um, <laughs> the reason why I say, yeah. you know, I love hearing your story. I've seen you be empathetic on TV. I've seen you do a lot of what you're sharing um, on the um, breakfast show. Mm. But the thing that I that um, blows me away is a lot of people who are empathetic are quick to turn it off. No, they won't respond. Yeah. They'll you know, protect themselves. You know, I, whereas you're not. You're just you know, I see some. I see some people in the media um, turn on and off like that. And it's what you do in your private time that is that defines you. Mm. So I, I love this. I have this rule where um, I, I, I'm, I'm always me, you know. So you know, I had an email the other day from Bobby. Now Bobby was one of the women behind the um, assisted dying, you know, the euthanasia mm. bill, and um, she was had blood cancer. You know, I hadn't heard from her for a long time. She was on the AM show with me, fun, lively, and responsible for that bill. I got an email the other night at ten fifty three. At night, and it said, um, Duncan, it's Bobby. I'm on the road now. My cancer is serious. I've got the certificate to die. I've signed up to assist at dying. And I thought, oh, because it means she's going to die in the next six months. She's going to take her own life. She's going to have her life taken by lethal injection. Yeah. That's quite daunting to think. It's quite. One minute you're dealing with her as a person, next minute you're dealing with her, you know she's going to go soon. It's so confronting. But this woman's just a huge, bouncy ball of. Action and, 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 and fun and everything, but I could hear it in those words, you know. So I emailed her back and I said, you owe me one last interview on the podcast. I'm coming to get you. I'll come and do it at your house. And I'm just waiting to hear what, you know, what the reaction's going to be. But of all the people she could have mm. – I haven't spoken to her probably five years. 
of all the people she was thinking about or whatever, she reached out to you. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's like um people in the Hawks Bay, there was the one lady that um uh, and it was it was all happening. She rang her friends in Auckland. Get Duncan Garner to get ring him. Tell us, tell him, you know, tell he'll he'll do something. And I do feel a weight of expectation because I can't always meet the expectation. Well, what am I going to do again? Mm. I tried to get visits back for the corrections guys, and I think that's happening now too. And then they ran me back. Any chance of conjugal rights, boss? Which of course you know the old <laughs> hello hello. Ah, uh, kind of. Don't know if we can do that, mate. <laughs> Give it a go. Throw the leg over. See what happens, you know. But um, I don't know, you know. But there's sometimes you know it's just you can. Sometimes I feel not worthy because I don't know if I can achieve that or, you know, there's, I'll go home, there's five emails and everyone's asking for a different thing. I'm like, oh, I need staff. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you're on your own, you know. I've never had a PA or an EA or whatever. I answer all my own, wow. all my own emails. Oh, no, at the moment I've got someone doing the social media oh, thing. Yeah. 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 But um, now you've got to be yourself because yeah, good. Yeah, you've got to, people expect things of you. Yeah, yeah. But I own, I never sign up something I can't achieve. I'd, I'd rather say, sorry, bro, I can't turn around Dallas Sales first 15, man. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Some things are just too hard. You know? it's we too know, crimson. We're going to need a few years. Eh? <laughs> so, so some things, you know, um, but I get a lot of enjoyment out of, um, uh, you know, like um, assisting kids or, or yeah. coaching or doing that. You know, I got a call from uh, one of the dads. Uh, my son didn't even go to the school. It was Blockhouse Bay Intermediate, you know. And they had 50 boys uh, going to a league tournament the next day. And the coach, the guy, my mate, he was meant to be coaching them. He, he didn't show up. He had something going on at the workshop. So the other dad rings and says, Duncan, do you, do you know, you, you do some league coaching? Can you come and help these boys? Oh, mate, I'd love to. So I was on the motorbike up there. And I had these 50 boys. I knew a couple of them because they'd played in our club team. I thought, well, what are we going to do? We've got two hours to, you know, and they're going to be playing Kelston and GEI and all these boys. So there's some big units there, you know. So we're putting them through this hard-ass two hours, eh? And I said, you guys got to be on board. you got to listen to me. If you listen to me, I'll do something for you. If you don't listen to me, you can't help yourself. Anyway, we did the, did the session. One guy broke his nose. Another guy, they'd never done anything like it. I was waiting for the principal to nail me for health and safety or something. <laughs> oh, the wusses. Anyway, they did, but now, I didn't go to the game the next day. I had to work. But I got the report back in the, the day. They won two, lost one. They beat Calston. They beat St Paul's. And these are the league schools, you know. Um, and I'm so proud, you know, from a distance. And I saw one of the boys weeks and weeks later in the street. He goes, sir, we beat them. And I said, I heard, mate, well done. Did you smash them? Absolutely, bro, hard. You know, and it was, it was you know, I was so proud that he, he remembered me and he yelled out from across the street, we smashed them, bro, you know, like you got on you, mate. Because yeah, we cool. lost a few guys at training, we were going so hard, you know. <laughs> stuff, stuff we're not allowed to do at the other school, at the club. I thought, well, I'm going to do it here, see these boys up to you, know. <laughs> One poor guy, he broke his jaw, I think. Oh, but, um, but, um, yeah. But, you know, I enjoy that stuff, eh? It's, yeah. you know, it, it sounds it's like so you easy can. to do, too, you know. Mm. It's so easy to, you know, um, impart what you know. Mm. Uh, I've got a mate of mine who played for New Zealand softball for years and years, you know, real top sportsman, eh? Well, they partied as hard as he, you know, because that was in the 90s, you know. The team that never got recognition, anyway. He's, he's, a, he's a pro, man, you know. He, he, he understands sport, like, you know, it's like a science. He's taught me a lot of things about, you know, getting extra, um, getting working with people and getting extra um, performance out of them and stuff. Everyone's a different age. Yeah. Everyone's an individual, you know. you got to work out. Like, oh, got it right with the Warriors this year, right? The Wars. Got it right with the Wars. Did he share any secrets on that? Is it a personality thing? Is it a, um, like, I, 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 is it engagement, connection? Is it boundaries? Like, what did he, what was his insight? It's working out what makes them tick, you know. 
Yeah. Telling them something that actually yeah. works. Telling them something that works, and then they believe you, and they, they believe in the process. You imagine being, you well. know, you're under Ian Foster, <laughs> and he's telling you this is what we we'll do. You want to we're, use we're, him? We're telling, well, yeah, because it doesn't work. Fuzzy. We're telling you this. Uh, we're telling you this. We we'll do this. We we'll do this. We we'll beat the Irish. They did this and they did this. and They got beaten by the Irish. You don't believe the systems. So there's this whole saying: you believe in the systems, and it'll get there. And um, so it did for them in the softball team. They won everything. Uh, and it did work for Hanson and those guys, not so much for Foster. So that's why the All Blacks might be second-guessing themselves. Then suddenly, at that top level, when you second-guess it, top 5%, it's all gone, mm. you know. So I just I, I'm surround myself with people that I can learn from as well. Yeah. They don't even know that I'm pinching their shit, you know. But, <laughs> you know, but I'm sure they do mine too. But, you know, you just you just learn people around you, you know. like The best people usually are the people around you. Yeah. Like, you know, p- companies go to replace people all the time, but... Uh, when I look at the, who goes out the door at the end of the day, these are brilliant people. And they go with all their industry knowledge. They go with all knowledge. this institutional knowledge. Yeah. And the best people are actually in your building, you know. <coughs> yeah. Even they here, do. you know, the best yeah. people are here. Right, yeah. They're not the – because you guys yeah. have got chemistry and – but none of you are overbearing, yeah. and now you, you know, you, you've hardly said a bloody word, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that, um, that, 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 Alibaba guy, the guy who owns oh, um, Alibaba, like he had all these local people that helped build his business, then he came to the US, hired all these US MBA people, and they were just cucker. And then he was like, and then he went, and his business started to down spiral, went back to um, his origins, and it just flourished again. Yeah, it's like like refugees, you know. Um, Not many of them come here and end up in trouble. They just want to work and get a chance again, you know. Yeah, that's right. A chance, you know. He's just going to stuff that up. I do worry that New Zealanders are. I hate it when I hear people say, oh, New Zealanders are lazy. We're not lazy. We've worked our ass off for nothing for a long time. Um, So, what are we if we're not lazy? Oh, I think we've Complacent? become no. I think we've become a little bit entitled Ooh. in the last few years. You know, um, just a little bit. Um, is it a generational thing or is that societal? Well, I, I, um, are you blaming baby boomers or? Like, I mean, <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm mm, just yeah. I am. No, we could. We could. I just think that we've become a little bit. You know, lots of handouts during COVID, so people just want to keep yeah. going. But there's no free lunch, you know. Yeah. And there's just not. There's you got to. You got to. You got to do the mahi, you know. Mm. Plus it feels good too, you know. It's worth it. I, I want to ask you a question. I want to go back to when you were saying that thing about um, men's shelters. Oh, yeah. Why there's not enough of yeah, well, them. There's not there's, one. Yeah. Because do you think there's a real need for it? You've been in Auckland City, don't you? Because <laughs> I, I, I make it my mission to go around, you know, I go and I write for the NBR once a week. Yeah. So I go from MediaWorks to NBR on my um, electric motorbike. <sighs> City, you might who's that gangster? <laughs> and they're looking at you, oh, no motor. You know, it's, it's got quiet. What's wrong with that guy? A weirdo. So, but I go through the streets and I see it's all there. It's like a dumping ground. I've got a mate of mine in one of those high rise buildings downtown. Inside that building is all the 501s from Australia, worst foreign policy in the world, sending people back here with no connection and getting 70% of them have um, reoffended. Because wouldn't you? You've got nothing here. Mm. Yeah. They got their brothers in arms, you know. They got no money. All you do, we'll head up to Michael Hill and get the kids in there. That's, that's what they're doing. Yeah. So the worst ever foreign policy, which indicates to me that the Australians aren't our friends. You know, they might be close geographically, but they've screwed us. They've sent back three thousand many men who have done some bad shit. Some of them have done some bad shit thirty years ago, but they've moved on. They're good, good people now. It's just a terrible policy because they've dumped them, isolated. Without hope and without their families. Mm. And what happens then? 
they revert to what they know. 10,000 crimes have been committed. Wow. It's quite a few. Eh? Mm, of course. What was the question? Men shelters. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because you were sort of heading that way, but then we... Well, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not at that state of my life just yet. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're saying that we have a whole heap of women shelters And we do, I'm saying that yeah. we have them for domestic violence reasons But mm. for men shelters We need men shelters Because yeah. men um, You're only a couple of decisions away Bad decisions away from you know losing where you live Or you know um, For me for instance like I live with my mum at the moment uh, I thought I'd bring it up before you guys put it <laughs> <laughs> She's quite good fun But um, I'm 49 years old living with my mum You know it's like uh, Because I'm Sold the house because my marriage is over, and I'm I don't know what to do. You know, I'm sort of transitioning. Like, oh, I don't want to buy that house. It's too much. What have I got? Next? Okay, maybe I'll go north. Oh, I don't want to. I can't. You got to make the right call. You see, in the markets all over the show, and I'm not a financial financial markets guy. I'm sort of do my Are research. You right about it? <laughs> hey, I live with mum. She's it's good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any juice? <laughs> no. So, but she's fun. She's like a friend. You know. So, but I can't say there forever, you know. Mm. You don't get a girlfriend living with your mum, <laughs> <yeah? laughs> not, not, not that that's the aim. But he don't get because no, you've t- you told some amazing, amazing stories. A lot of the events that you've done thus far, and a lot of the people that you've helped out. And so, just wondering because you've you've, you've invested in so many people and and so much time on helping other people. What, what, do you do, what does it do for you in terms of obviously you talk about your family and obviously your, your marriage and so forth or um, the divorce how, how has it been for you in terms of who, who takes care of you in terms of uh, of all, all that stuff that you do yes yeah, so I've got a few mates um, and we um, here's the plane huh? um, yeah it's not too bad um, we um, it's like I've got mates that come around and I've got a couple of mates who play sort of um, high level sport or rugby or whatever and they'll just turn up at my house and I know and, and they suffer from depression because they were once something and now they're you know running the sparky business you know they just yeah, and they think they've fallen whatever, but they haven't they just it's a natural cycle of life you know um, so they're around a lot those guys they'll look they'll look after always looking looking after me my mum has been amazing mm-hmm. yeah really amazing and um so, but we've been there for each other, you know. She needs, she needs. Um, I think she needs me. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, as she said the other day, it's been wonderful having someone else in the house, you know. Yeah. So noise, you know, a noise. Is Are you quite loud? Um, well, when I sneak out at night, I try and be really <laughs> quiet. <laughs> but everything seems to be noisy, and I'm sneaking out at midnight. <laughs> and the door makes a creak, and there's the yeah. f- wooden floor. The <laughs> God, I'll go out in the socks next time, eh? <laughs> So the yeah, other people, I largely, um, I'm like to your question. I, I have always compartmentalised things. You know, I'm strong enough to compartmentalise, and so I'll put that issue there and I put that issue there. But when your marriage is breaking up and you know, and your communication breaks down to the point that you're no longer talking to each other for one reason or the other, and you're dealing through lawyers, which is just debilitating and financially paralysing. Um, it is hard sometimes to be up, you know. So I had to put it on sometimes to you know to get through that day, but you're still breathing. There's still hope. You've still got my kids and they're all healthy and all that stuff. So it's a perspective thing. You know, I try and compartmentalise and I put it into perspective. And you know, it's it's yep, it's going to change things for you. You're not going to you're going to sell your house and you're going to be in this transitional phase. But there's people worse off than you, and you just learn from it and deal with it, become a better person as a result of it. It's all those all those things that people say. 
and they always sound like cliches, but I'm having to do it, you know. You know it's all very well saying, oh, well, I'm here for your boss or whatever, but are you? You know, if I go around to that guy's house, he said that, hey, mate, um, it's me, it's 11 o'clock at night, I'm not feeling very good in the head. I just thought I'd come around, you said to come around uh, if, if I need some help. Are you, did you mean that? See, we just say these things. Yeah, let us know if you, if you need a hand. Well, every time I say that to someone, they actually ring me up and go, hey, can you help me move? You know, there's one guy, a friend of mine, he said, he said, oh, yeah, if you need a hand, I said, you know, let me know. Next minute, he rings me up. And five hours later, I took him out to Beachlands, which is halfway to bloody Australia. And I'm driving <laughs> the truck and everything. Like that. Well, I did mean if you need a hand, I'll give you a hand. But my whole day was gone. <laughs> driving the, then I got stopped by a cop and I'm like, oh. doing 16 to 50 or some shit. And, I said, officer, I'm just helping my mate. Can you please give me a break? He goes, okay, yeah. So, but, you know, sometimes those things happen to me. Like, you know, oh, let me know if you need a hand, I'll do it. They come and say, yeah, I need a hand. Said, oh, okay, let's go. <laughs> you know, so we're doing it. So, but I've got some good mates that um, that have been in, around. That's why I go to Hukianga because they're always there. Mm-hmm. Um, and my son Buster's been amazing. Yeah, yeah. Just his presence, you know, he's a mature boy. Um He's 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 mature yeah. beyond his years, and he's a deep thinker, and he, you know he tells me I'm immature at times. <laughs> I say, I'm just trying to keep it real, mate. It's a fun. It's cool. And he's like shakes his head, oh, pathetic this guy. You know, and he's twelve. You know, but um, so they're all little mini rocks in my life. You yeah, know? yeah. yeah. it's awesome. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Because you, you, cause often when I see you, especially on, on the AM show, you always talk about Buster uh, now and then your son. So obviously, he's, he's a big part in terms of. Uh, of, of obviously in terms of relationship that you guys have, and so it's, yeah. it's massive. And now um, your, your son and your mom. Yeah, well, when, when when my wife left and went to Wellington, um, you know, people thought, oh, he must have gone too. But it was first day of the AM show. I got this boy at home. It was three o'clock in the morning. I'd get to work, mate. He's six. What are you can do, leave him. Mm. So you suddenly have to rework your house and make it all work. But we're human beings. We're flexible. We, we've, you know, yeah. we're quite hopeful, and we we can do this shit. You know. Yeah. Um, We've survived all sorts of things before. Uh, I don't know how long we've been here for, but quite a while. Uh, and we'll do it again, you know. We always get through it, you know. That's that's how I feel about the country at the moment. Everyone's a bit down and it's all a bit grey and it's all a bit, you know, um, uh, lacking in um, colour and ambition and hope and everything. Uh, it's just our, it's us. It's all our mindset. Just turn it on its head, you know. Yeah. Matariki could do that, you know. Yeah. Just... It's a reset, eh, Matariki? I think it is. It's a reset. It's, we need it's exactly reset. what I... It's yeah. exactly what I've... Caught it in my pre-recorded podcast for tomorrow. Oh, it's all on my shelf ready to go. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, I've caught it. There. It's a, oh, I think it's a it's a personality reset, or it's a it's a people reset, or a yeah. couple reset, or just how, how where am I heading in my life? Right, I want to change that to this, and you might use Matadiki as your as your pivot point. You know. Yeah, yeah. You got to we got to keep um, you got to keep um, being relevant, eh? You oh, know, it's absolutely. um. It's and that's not easy you know, as you get older and technology changes and you just, you know I'm still here I'm still, I still want to broadcast you know I bet you this will happen you watch this it will be election night coming up shortly right for the last hundred years I've fronted it or, or you know Tove and I did it last time three and I did the year all that's those right. and then this year I predict that um, I'll be doing it my on my podcast live I'll do a live election night special. <laughs> I just need to get a cardboard cut out of Petty Gower and throw something in. Yeah, <laughs> new government change this year? Uh, yeah. you, I, I, well, given the performance of this current government over six years, um, 
and I think I've hinted at this already, um, <laughs> you'd think that there'd be a change of government, yeah. You'd have mm-hmm. to, look, you look at the polls, they're quite tight. You know, MNP elections are tight, eh? MNP elections, mm-hmm. are, it's a race to 61, and they get, both sides get really close. You know, I said last time, I said, just until I become a majority, there's no way. If, if she does, I'll become a vegan. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm in the studio confronting this stuff and it goes to 48%, 49. I'm like, oh shit. 49, 49.5. And I'm like, Google veganism. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Um, no fish. Well, they're actually against fishing. I'm like, I've got, oh, I got my rods God. in the car. Huh? Still. Catching sharks. Well, you're catching um, onions. You know, onions that don't breathe. So, but I tell you, the, the best thing about going vegan is I went vegan. I did three months, you know. Oh wow! Did you lose heaps of weight? Um, you can still have lollies and shit, you know. Oh okay. Yes. Yeah, so Top it up with sugar. Oh, all that. So, but the first thing I went to was this vegan pie eating competition. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> here he is, all vegan pies. I was like, I was like oh. <laughs> trying to just in case there's nothing for the next day. The next day, I was trying to stock up, you know. And that was quite cool. But the community was really good. The vegan community, you know. They were so supportive, and I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> I ended up coming off it. You know, I went to um, my mum's partner. He had Christmas Day, you know. And I've said this. He knows. You know, I'm about to. I'm about to do some. And he, he, he cooked. He cooked the. You know, I thought, oh, Christmas Day. Look at this. My mum lasted one day in dry July, by the way. And um, <laughs> I caught her having a drink on the first day. I said, "Oi." She said, "Hey, little one." And I said, "Dry July is not dryish July. It's not, it's not like you know, start on the second of July." <laughs> So I'm over on Christmas Day at her bloke's place, and um, oh, I'm going to cook a steak. Do you want me? Like, no, I'm a vegan. Oh, okay, fuck it. I'm, I'm over. It. Yeah, okay, cook a steak. He cooked the worst steak. I think he boiled it. It was like you know those shoes we used to have. Those shoes. Oh, he knows. He knows. He, he's got work to do. He knows. He, you know those shoes we used to wear to school. Nomads. There's no yeah, yeah, the the yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like any one of those, mate. <laughs> But boiled, a boiled nomad. And I got in the shit because I came off this, um, you know, uh, I'm not doing this diet anymore. I'm, I'm going back to the States. And I had the worst steak in the world. I, you know, it was like, I left home for that. You know, <laughs> it was bad. We, we've talked about this and he's come to terms with it. We've, we've, we've got to set him on the straight and narrow cooking skills and things. But, um, yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. Imagine giving up. I gave up my veganism for a rubbery steak, you know. Okay, <laughs> you went on it for. I, was like, I lost my veganism and I lost three teeth. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, um, guys, um, Jay's got a whole bunch of notes <laughs> that he wants to get free. So. <laughs> uh, take it down, Jim. Take it down, Jim. You, you, oh, you got a voice. <laughs> it barely works. Yeah. Well, it's so dry from yeah. waiting. <laughs> Um, I had a question. You seem like such a self-assured individual. Do you ever have you had to sort of battle self-doubt? Yeah, um, all the time. Uh, last Thursday, I had to go to Wellington because um, now MediaWorks has kept me. They roll me out to these functions, you know. Because <laughs> I, I, I will front them for them. You know, no. good evening, folks, and welcome to this advertising function. Um, so, public speaking, I will always. Um, get a nervous tension thing. You know, I've got to do something in Toronto in a couple of weeks. I start to think about it. You know, now um, I was never nervous before the AM show. I never ever felt anything but excitement. You know, it's go. Oh. Um, <laughs> but when it comes to the public and you interface with them, 
um, you forget that they've seen you for 30 years do stuff. And so I get, I get sort of a bit nervous now, but I never used to. Now I've come the full circle, like, oh, this is just speaking public again. So um, I always, I get a sort of, you know, I'm always self doubting. If you don't self doubt, then you'll, um, you'll be up your own backside, you know, like mm. self doubt, I try to turn into a positive energy thing. But it's not bad to be nervous every now and then, you know. It's like how the real people live, <laughs> you know. You need oh, that. Here comes the ex-wife. Now I'm nervous. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, or maybe more than nervous. <laughs> and as someone that's Frightened. been, <laughs> as someone that's been in the industry for decades, we'll cut that out in post. <laughs> <laughs> we shortened it by three seconds. How do you stay so excited about the mahi that you do? You know, it's a really good question, and so much more interesting question than some of the other ones I've had tonight. <laughs> <laughs> no, you've been the great questions. There's no dud question. And um, uh, what was the question? Yeah, I tell you what. When I was 12 years old, I wanted to be a, a sports commentator or something like that. I used to watch the uh, horse racing or the, watch the All Blacks, and I'd pretend to be a commentator or something, you know. Um, like horse racing, you know, out of the gates they go. There's time goes, maiden lady followed him by Jimmy to go by with 300 to go, you know. And so I thought I could do this and whatever. Never really went that way, but. Um, I've always wanted to do this. So for me, I still don't feel like I've, I've worked my ass off, but I feel like I haven't worked a day in my life. Or oh, they're paying me to, for my hobby. <laughs> That's cool. You know, like That's some guy cool. loves to do Lego, so he gets paid for that. Or I like to do broadcasting and and hear from people, meet, listen to people, you know. There's so much rich stories out there that, that still haven't been told. So I, I feel as it, I, it's, what is it now, Thursday evening, a day before Mustang public holiday, and I'm sitting in South Auckland in a warehouse, <laughs> still excited by my industry, despite, you know, being shed on a bit of it as well, you know, but mm. I'm still hopeful and excited, yeah. And I, I, I think I always will be, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, the day I'm not, I'm out. <laughs> True. Yeah. 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 So what else excites you? Are there any extra hobbies that you'd like to Saturday explore? Saturday morning rugby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. I love watching my son play sport, you know, and... Um, <laughs> Uh, I get really um, upset, disappointed around cancellations. It's a winter sport, it's raining. You know. <laughs> stop like stop cancelling that. What are we going to do this morning? You know, like, <laughs> get down the park, <laughs> smash him, bro. You know. So I love them. Um, I love. Uh, oh, if we can't do morning sports, wife will tell us to clean the house. Yeah. Does she? Do you do it? <laughs> nah, um, I got sports. Okay. <laughs> They should just cancel it. Indoors. Indoors sports. Yeah. Okay. Do, you, do you get the old clean the house thing too? Yeah. You know, preempt it, do it Friday night. Hey. <laughs> when I get home. But yeah, I know you, uh, you, you pushed around a bit. You eh? talk about this. Eh? Come on my podcast. <laughs> Please don't tell boys you pushed around. So, yeah. so, but the great thing about being a bloke is that um, it's, it's lovely hearing that clean the house thing. Just leave us alone. <laughs> like, you know those, you know those, um, those things that go on the floor and the vacuum, the self ones. You, right? I like those. You know, it goes. You know, it falls down the steps. You got to get up and sort of fix it. Or put the batteries back in it. They never told you this stuff. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm so pleased that you get told off. Eh? <laughs> and what do you do? Yes. Yeah, I'll clean it now. I know you're tired. <laughs> oh, I was the same for years too. Exposed. Guess who t- you are exposed. <laughs> Guess who tells me often now to do that? <laughs> Your mum. Nah, she's too scared. But she does say she has a couple of times. She goes, you could do a little bit more around, you know, cleaning up the place. And I'm like, 
I just don't want to get in your way, Mum. You know, you have certain standards, and I don't, I don't allow them. But um, yeah, I'm so glad you get told off. Eh? You're, always, you're always running around like you're on fire. Eh? I've seen it before. It's good. Oh, oh, it's good. It's relief. <laughs> you wuss. <laughs> Put her in a place, mate. Tell her that. It's your turn. <laughs> yeah, I'll get the vacuum. Oh, Duncan, do you find often, Duncan, that you're quite busy all the time? Is there a time where you just like, man, I just, I just need a rest from everything? Or do you, are you just kind of always constantly on the go? Yeah, uh, uh, there's a reason for that. I'm worried if I'm worried about stopping um, that if things will flood back to me, like my dad's death. So I unresolved shit like that. You know, I miss my dad a lot. And... Um, so from the day he died, I just throw myself. I always threw myself at life, but even more so, especially the first five years, I went everywhere, did everything, took the kids to everything, and we went everywhere because I, I was scared to stop. What will I feel? Mm. So that's always worried me. Um, so that's why I go. I think I've gone extra hard since he died. It's thirteen, twelve years ago, thirteen years ago. And my mum said to me that the other day. She goes, "Living with you is inter- interesting, you know. Like, you're always." When do you sleep? I don't notice that your bed's not made. Your bed's not, you don't hop under it. I said, it's too hot, Mum. I'm always on top of it. And you've seen me asleep. You must have seen me twice in the last few months asleep. You know, I just, I crash when I crash. I'll zonk out. And that's the end of me. And I'll just wake up eight hours later. But, the, you know, having children, I have children when I was 27. And um, I had a breakfast show for five years. I had to be out of the house or up at 2.30. Now, if you go to sleep at 10 o'clock at night and you take two hours to get to sleep and you're up at 2.30, do you have a We're coming to you for the mess. It's two and a half hours. Okay? It's two and a half hours of sleep. Yeah. I'd see you on the and show you and you'd up. look tired sometimes. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> just saying. I'm just going to ring the makeup guys. If, if, you, if three years ago you'd done a better job. Well, you held it up really well. One time I went like that. Not off. Was it when the camera was off? Or was it on? Um, one night I was arrested before I went on the show. Yeah, I was just a thing at home. But uh, oh, there was this trespass, and they, they thought I'd breached. I hadn't, and it was, it was sorted out. But I was still taking down the cells, you know. And um, we was pissing around and trying to sort it out. I told TV Three next day, there's nothing to see here. But you know, I still down at ten o'clock at night. You know, the guy that had locked me up. Um, I used to play rugby with him, you know, at school. <laughs> he still locked you up. Well, I called him by his nickname, and he didn't like that. I forgot he didn't like it. <laughs> It was not. It was a bit derogatory, and when I went into the, can we ask I, what it was? I, I got take. Uh, okay, nah, you don't. asked for it. <laughs> you cut out and post. But the thing is, um, uh, who's a prop, you know? And in those days, you know, you had drinking competitions, everything. He never, he never did that well on them. So his nickname was Puss. Oh. And um, so I went into the. That's that oh, night. you wouldn't call him. I didn't. I forgot his real name. And so I, here I am being marched in by these cops, you know, and just got the show on the next day. I try to see the lights out of everything, especially if I've done nothing wrong. It's like, it'll resolve itself, you know. And uh, I walked in there and I saw him through the through the door. And, hey, puss. <laughs> and then I got went down and sat in this interview room and I, this young cop said to me, did you call the chief? Puss. Chief. And I said, um, did I? Uh, I think I did, didn't I? Uh, what's his name? Hayden, isn't he? Yeah, oh, we apologise. Yes, or oh, you'll just take you downstairs first, mate. So, oh god, I'm not getting put in the cells because I'd call him a nickname, am I? <laughs> anyway, I, I I ended up going to him because I had to sort sort out this this wrongful arrest record of ours. So we got there, and I remembered his name. I was like, oh, that's right. 
But and my initial thing, because I hadn't seen him since the rugby days, right, was, you know, I was like, hey, you know, I didn't realise he was the boss. <laughs> in front of all those guys. It was just one of those moments. Yeah. It's a bit of fun. She must have been happy to push I, you in. <laughs> He, he wouldn't do that. That's why we named him. That's why he didn't. There was that generation, though. You know, we went to parties all the time and, you know, we were drinking culture. And uh, one of our guys died, actually. He drowned in you know, drinking. And, and I just I just look back now at all these mistakes that we made. We got away with, I don't know how, we, you know, I crashed a car one night after playing rugby and, and drinking too much. And I. Luckily, I had a penalty because he could take the car off the road and do it for me, so my dad didn't see it. So, just little things, you know. That I don't want my son to make any of these mistakes because I'll be worried he'd die. Mm. So, how we survived some of those eighties things, you know, the eighties. You know, they used to have bars that would promote dollar beers. So you go there, <laughs> twenty bucks, you get yourself ten beers and visit from the cops and a pie on the way home. You know, um, that's what we did. That's what that was a generation mm. wasted so much of your money and life on. Mm. I don't. I'm not a non-drinker, but I don't drink now. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't drink much, you know. Or drink, drink at all. I can't remember the last time I. Was it? No, I did last weekend actually. <laughs> had a couple of beers. It was a guy I hadn't seen for five years. Oh yeah, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, I only ran into them in the pub, you know. <laughs> but I would go weeks and weeks and months without drinking. You know, I don't. I don't mm. need it. It doesn't do good things for you. It doesn't make you don't make mm. right decisions, and nothing good happens after midnight. So, so I guess the the context of that question was around um, the busyness. So would you say you've actually gone through the grief process yet? Oh, Dad? Yeah. Or you just like delaying it? I don't think you ever do. Mm. I, I, I've definitely come to terms with it. You know. Yeah. Um, but the still there. Oh, yeah. The feelings. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's 62, you know. He young. Was, yeah, sure, Very young. young. He didn't get to retire, mm. you know. Um, you know. He didn't want to die. He didn't? No. Nah. Mm. He got given nine months. You know, the hard thing went to Afghanistan. It was about a month before he died, you know, and... Um, he thought I was going to die when we were going to start, so I was saying goodbye to him at the house. And I wasn't going to tell anyone else that we were going, because t- we couldn't say that we were going because of Key, uh, John Key's security. So I had to keep a secret for a week. Couldn't even tell Dad until the couple of days before we went. Mm. And um, I think he got quite a shock. I said, oh, I'm going to Afghanistan. And all he saw on the TV was boom, you know, people blowing each other up and everything. And we didn't really know what to expect either. So, and I didn't know if he was going to die while I was away. Just all these shit things. Yeah, so maybe I haven't dealt with all of that, but mm. I, I I do talk about it every now and then, like yeah, good, you know, you can probably see the pain sometimes. Mm. Yeah, I can see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but um, yeah, because describe how, how do you get rid of it? Yeah, describe for it out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if Busfica. Oh, I can't really say, but with, when it comes to Busfica and the way we grieve, there's a long ass process before we even bury the person. I know. I just saw that with my yeah, friend. Yeah, his neighbour died in a car accident. Two weeks ago, in Sandringham, and over the last two weeks, because uh, I'm always at his house, they've had the, all the family there and all the tents on the front lawn. Uh, I've got to say that, um, and it's the same with Maoridom, you know, when you go into Matangi, uh, Pākehā has to learn from this because you guys know how to say farewell and you honour this person and you, you surround them and you tell stories and everything. Ours is a financial transaction in one hour. Here's the bill. He's a sausage roll. Can you please hurry up? We've got another funeral coming in. My life's worth more than that. But that's what we do in the backyard world. Yeah. We do. It is a financial transaction. The, you just get on with it. Yeah, and I say in the Pacific world, from what I can see, because I live out out in the um, Mount Russell there, you know, 
um, at every week there's tents mm. going up on the front yeah. of the properties because, um, mm. you know, and he was a young man. This guy was um, in his 50s. Mm. And he'd been working as a security guard all night and he had a car accident coming home. So working for two-fifths of nothing and tired and driving home and uh, had an accident and four kids and yeah, well, they were helping to set up and everything. My friend, my neighbours, no, their neighbours and my friends, and um, the grief, eh? these families. Mm. Um, but they did two weeks. I would have been there two weeks, maybe. Yeah, maybe ten days. Mm. So, I, I, but I look at them and I think you guys do this well as a culture. You know, you guys know what you're doing, and it just seems like clockwork. You know, the eyes of the tents turn up, the fine mats they turn up, and the kai <laughs> turns up, and you know they're giving me kai and everything, and I was like. You lost your dad, you know. Have we given these guys some money? Is a cool house or something? So that's where you grieve, right? What did I do at my dad's funeral? Uh, it was about an hour long. Um, I had to make a speech and I can't remember what I said. Uh, we carried him out. Right, what's up next? You know, it's, it's bullshit. Mm. And like, it, it doesn't seem to me like... That's that's who I am, but it's not my culture, but it is. Yeah, that's what I feel. You know, with having Maori kids and being in and around Madai and stuff, you know, I feel a lot more comfortable than that. Yeah, you know, hanging around in Madai for days during a tangi, and that's when you hear the real stories. And that's when you, that's when you can grieve and you can mm. cry it out or hug it out or whatever. Pakeha world is a harsh world, you know. It's um dog eat dog, and it's you know like with retirement homes. I don't want to put my mum in a retirement home. You're going in there, either you're going to die or they're going to rinse you and then you die, you know. That's what they do. It's the yeah. model. Wow. You've saved all this money so they're going to charge you through the nose. Jeez. Why can't I have it at my house? Mm. What mm. What you do in other cultures, we we got we got to look at ourselves, you know. Yeah. Because if we do, I mean, we've got the ability to pull resources, you know, but we don't. Imagine how powerful you know, Pākehā families would be if they pull resources. Yeah. But they probably think they've got enough resources that are individual economic units. Yeah. So, and, and when someone says, you know, well, come around and I'll listen to you, man, I'll talk to you. Well, I tried, but I knocked on the door, you guys were asleep, you know. It has to be a genuine offer, you know. And yeah. I, I, I look at Pākehā customer, and it's me, it's who I am, but um, it feels unfamiliar to me. Did you get to spend those last few moments yeah. with your dad yeah, the yeah, way yeah. you wanted to spend it? Like you were able to say goodbye properly, and uh, he knew we were there. I was lying under his bed in the hospice, yeah, lying okay, on the floor. Cool. There. Mum was over in the corner, and it was about four in the morning, and it was a budget day because usually I'd cover the budget. And uh, I was holding his hands, and I just felt it sort of slip away. And so I knew he died, but I didn't. I didn't. I just laid it down on the ground, and I knew, the nurse came in. Actually, I'll tell you about the nurse. The nurse came in, and she said. I, your dad's passed, you know. And then I looked at mum and it was, you know, I don't mean this came across the wrong way, but we'd look, looked after him for nine months hard. And I looked at mum's face and, she, you know, it was a, a resignation of a, a face was was resigned, almost relief. Like he was out of pain and now the next journey began. You know, we, you know we'd give anything to get him back, you know, but, but that wasn't going to happen. And so we did that together. I think that that was a really strong bond at moment. We always tight, but I think you know because my sisters were away in Christchurch and Queensland, they came back, of course. But we sort of 
do the heavy lifting on that? Yeah. I do regret though the night that he checked himself into the hospice. It was a Sunday night. I'd been with him all day, watched the Chiefs beat someone, and standard. And um, <laughs> but on on Monday morning, Mum said to me, "Oh, Dad, um, got an ambulance last night to the hospice." And I said, "Why don't you tell me? I'll come and get him." Mm. Oh, and he was agitated. He got up and took, we feel guilty about this now. Mm. He rang himself an ambulance to go across the. He probably knew it was his last time. I would have been there, to, you know, but yeah. I wasn't. Was I? I was asleep. So all those things come back and you know mm. sort of. And they do that. And they do that because they don't want to bother us or burden us, eh? Quite often. Totally, yeah. Yeah, our parents do that out of aroha. They don't just. They're they don't want to trying be a, to neglect you. They, they just don't want to be a pain. Yeah. That's right. They don't. And you know what? If you reframed it, it's him still having that independence. In those he last few months, he was dead four days later. Yeah, but he's still able to uphold that independence that I think that generation thrives on. You know, I took a day off, you know, during his during his demise. I went and sat. <coughs> I went and sat with him up at the um, hospice. I told TV, I told the TV guys that I wouldn't be there. And this is where I was, you know. And then the story broke about some minister who'd misspent some money, and I saw my phone go, and I was like. Oh. Surely one of the guys can do this, you know. But well, a couple of them were new. We just hired them and everything. And the producer goes, mate, could you come back? And I was like, oh, please don't give me this dilemma. You know? And Dad goes, you can't, mate. So I've been, I'll see you tonight. So I went. Mm. You know, the guy that asked me to go back, he's a good guy. I don't blame him. He didn't know. He didn't. Well, he, he did know. He didn't know. But, you know, if I sort of, Bit angry about that still, you know. Angry at myself. Mm. Not saying no, you know. But I'd said I'd been well, but I'd been with Dad probably five or six hours. He was getting tired anyway, but that's not the point, eh? Yeah. 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 It's a big message in that. Yeah. So I don't want to hear that on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> no. Did I finish your questions? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And yeah, thank you. Thank you to just you know, appreciate it, mate. Appreciate appreciate what you just the sharing and um you you come across as a real stand up guy, mate. You know you really are. And I didn't realize all the all these stories you're telling us. Um, obviously, we, we see you on the, on the telly and all the, on mm. the radio here on the radio. And but you do you you give so much. You give so much to to, to people to others, which tells us that you have a massive heart, bro. You have a uh, massive heart. I feel guilty this week. My son's on school holidays. I should be there. You know, all the things like that. Yeah, because mm. no. next year you probably just want to hang out with his mates because they get older and they go. You know, where they gone. <laughs> So, um, but I want to go to America. He says, I want to go to America. And I said, oh, You've got Air Jordans. What are you doing? He goes on High Street, bro. You know? <laughs> he did some acting in the TV ad. They keep rerunning it, so they give him money, you know. So he gets his cash. It's not like a normal 12 year old with only five bucks. He's got some 50s on him, you know. So he's, but he's a good saver, you know. He's a good saver. But every now and then he's, you know. Must be his chick side. He wants to go spinning money. Eh? <laughs> Let's go to the shoe shops. You know, they all know him now. And uh, I just say to him, you know, you just. I said, what are you buying those cases for? He goes, oh, that's the display case. I said, your feet. They go on your feet, don't they? He goes, no, I'm going to display them in my room. I said, well, who's coming looking at them? <laughs> How many tour groups are going through your bedroom, mate? <laughs> Does he trade? Does he trade them on? Because um, that's a big thing now for He all. trades prime drinks. What? Prime. Man, yeah. that's a thing now, eh? Hey, hey, are we down with the with the kids or what, mate? <laughs> that's crazy. Like, he, he, I saw him drinking this drink. What's that? This is the banned drink. You know, too much caffeine. Oh. And uh, I found myself last night online. How, how much are these things? <laughs> what? 
twelve pack for like four hundred bucks. <laughs> I'm getting him just juices. It is a thing, though, eh? Yeah. We must be the up, up with the <laughs> Just See how many flavours there are though, you know? Yeah. She was the primo, primo. I see I see at the rugby club uh, the rugby training, you know, that one guy will have a prime drink, you know, they're all chasing him for the bottle and stuff. Like, yeah. <laughs> we used to do that with Lion Reads, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sounds that's like you love being a dad. I love Oh love yeah. Well that. yeah, but sometimes I get exhausted too, you know. Yeah. I mean but you know, the hardest things have the little ones, you know, like this guy's easy now, he's just wants a, a leg rub before a game or something else. <laughs> if I'm going to give you a leg rub, bro, yeah, yeah, five bucks first try. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, he seems to have tight muscles all the time. And I said, stretch, mate. You ain't got to stretch. But I do think, I think being a father, being a parent changes you, you know. Like you learn, um, if you're not empathetic by the time you're a parent, then you soon will be. Or you should be. If you're not, there's something wrong. And you don't understand sacrifice until you have sacrifice. Mm. And women, I mean, the mothers are, are the most amazing people because look at the sacrifice there. Mm. Bugger that. <laughs> you know, it's too much. Too much to think about. Uh, the more I think about it, the more I don't want to think about it. And so so that's that. But um, you're responsible for this person born to the world. And, you know, a lot of parents don't do it very well. And you see the result of that. You know, we've got some bad parents in this country. We don't talk about it. We talk about all sorts of – we talk around it, you know. Um, we don't know how to tell kids when they're obese, so we just – we don't even know who sh- whose job it is to do this, but we've got to do something about it. And um, when the, should some parents be in court when their kids are, are offending, you know? Like, probably should be. You know? Yeah. You fine. can't look after your kid, you know. Well, you Come here, mate. You're in here as well with them, you know. <laughs> So um, they, do this in, they do this in That's Britain. A, oh, do they? Yeah, up to a certain age group. So your 10-year-old offends, well, you come here, pal. You understand with them because where were you that night? Wow. You know, oh, well, I was just on the I was on the bloody glass barbecue getting hammered with my mates and I just didn't think about him. Was he at home on his own, was he? Yes, mate. So get in the court, get in the dock. So they do this around the, around the world, you know. Mm. Pretty controversial. But, um, see, we're going through this debate at the moment in New Zealand. Do we, mm. do we go hard? Or do we go soft? Uh, is going soft working? Um, it's probably not how we were all brought up, you know. Mm. We got brought up in the smash, you know. Um, <laughs> we did. It's, it's, you know, and that's, it worked. That, Sometimes. Yeah. Mm, uh, that, I couldn't ever do it. I look at oh, my girls were so tiny. What are you going to do? Give them a smack? For what? Our kids, you know, like... Mm. It's caused a huge division, that, that law, too, you know, especially, I think, among specific families, too, you know. Like, um, and I was, in a, I was in a park, our family, but, you know, we we knew... Our, the discipline was, was um, this plastic um, hosepipe thing, you know, mm. left welts in your leg, yeah? But you could grab it off and, you know, and you suddenly got the weapon yourself, so he's a bit wary once you get 12, you know. Why do you find the door and a oh, stiff arm, yeah? <laughs> So yeah, they, learned to not, they learned to not mess with you after a while. But I'm at that point now with my son, you know, we, we, we um, he's a very cuddly, loving boy, you know. He's got a huge spirit and, and and sense of sort of social justice. He gets really upset if he does a deal with someone and they renege and, you know, wow. rage against a machine, you know. <laughs> so, um, but I see he cares. I see, he, you know, in his school he gets uh, rewarded in his school, you know, top of his school for this and that because 
uh, he's like a force of um, good, you know. But he's, That's cool. You know, he sees the bully, you know, he's like, oi, mate, leave him alone, you know, that kind of guy. Yeah. So I hope he doesn't get into trouble on that sort of thing. Sometimes you can go down the wrong alleyway trying to help someone, you know? yeah. yeah. And it's, it sounds like, um, you know, with the uh, marriage split and then Buster sort of being in the middle, you've yeah. done a really good job at keeping that balance or you've uh, tried really hard I to I don't keep know if we've done a good job. I, I, I was just saying to a mate tonight, you know, um, if he's been used as a conduit for messages and things, that's not good. No, that's um, not. But um, he's resented. He's just, you know, these idiots, you know. <laughs> They'll sort themselves out. We, we've sorted it out now. We've, you know, we, we're, we've parted ways and, you know, um, she's a good mum, you know. and I, I'm, I'll never criticise that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's not, not, not you just don't look credible doing that. Um, and I want him to, you know, you, you need to display, and this is the hardest thing, for me in the last five years, is, you know, I wanted to just display healthy relationships and what a relationship should be. I haven't been able to do that and I failed him on that. Um, so I hope that hasn't, that, that there will be an impact on that at some stage. So I, I worry about that. I, I, I dread, dreadful, you know, uh, you know, a split and, you know, uh, it's just all those things that come with it, you know. I just hope that he thinks it's not normal, you know. Yeah. Uh, I um, was talking to some people the other day. They said that their parents have been married seventy-two years, um, and I thought, wow, that's, that's, that's a, we don't often hear these stories anymore. Oh. But there's something in there, you know. And that's mm. that's good, you know. They may not have spoken to each other for the last twenty years because they're bored of each other, but they're still together. <laughs> <laughs> you go to the mall, great. I'm staying at home. <laughs> Is that perception, eh? Ah, <laughs> oh, well, there's my parents are still together, you know, and they there's because uh, it's, it's so rare. You got to reward it and say, "Well done," you know. So you haven't got long to go, honey. You <laughs> you're not even halfway there, but you're not a Saturday morning really pleased. Say, "Well, I would like some footage of that, please." What do you reckon's the buffer around that? Like, you know, because surely there's a buffer. I, I reckon the buffer is. Do you reckon it would be just keeping them informed, the communication, the honesty? It's all that. Yeah, it's been uh, upfront. Yeah. Um, compromise. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you go. You use the bathroom first. That's fine. Yeah. I'll wait here for the 800th time being seconds, yeah? <laughs> so, sounds, you sound familiar? <laughs> At least you're in control. <laughs> One day a week. So, yeah, it's compromise and basically yeah. you know, let them win. <laughs> and I guess Sometimes only, it's easy, you know? Yeah, because I love how you talk about him. And I guess I'm only just asking this because, you know, um, divorces, there's Horrible. a big rate around it and there's a lot of... I mean, I was watching um, Peel. He just did. He's this. the man, isn't he? He's the mm. man, and he just did this Fano Matters video, and yeah, in it, and you've seen it, eh? And he, I have, yeah. and he depicts um, him as Koro living with his um, daughter and his grandson, yeah. and it's beautiful that he's able to pick that family unit because that kind of represents what's happening at the moment, and he. And I think it's important to be able to communicate those messages to our, out the, the tamariki of those families to totally. and parents. Yeah. You know, how do we buffer this so that we're not just... He lost his son, you know. Mm. Yeah. I know exactly where his son's buried in the Hokianga. Oh, in the Hokianga he's buried. He's he buried at um, Mitimiti. And I went up, and I had heard him talk about his son. And I found his grave, you know, because we, we were up the coast in the old quads. And um, I went up to the um, cemetery uh, on the Marae, and I found his... Um, gravesite and I was like oh had a little moment because I raped Pure he's the man and I, he came on my show six weeks later and I said to him oh um, I just checked in on your son the other day up at the up at this, uh, Mutapa awesome. and he said did you and I said because in the middle of nowhere you know it's in the middle of nowhere but when you're from up there and you, well the 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 the, um, the highway is the old beach you know so we're on the highway 
and I found the gravesite, and I just paid my respects. I'd never met his son, but I, 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 he was so young, 18. Mm. So I just said to P.I., went up and spent some time with your son. He was overwhelmed by that, you know, yeah. like the little things mm. you can do. It's just a few minutes of investment in time, you know. You can um, comfort somebody, you know. Yeah. Because I don't think you'd ever, um, you'd never cope with losing yeah. a child. No. You know. No. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he would have really appreciated that. We had him on the. He's funny, the, isn't he? Yeah, we had him on other <laughs> podcast, but um, he, yeah, he when he talks about his son, it's still very. Oh, sure, yeah. yeah. Talk about his wife. He's he's he's, <laughs> he's in second place there. Mate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, he's master around here. The vacuum. <laughs> Have you seen those vacuums? Um, this might help you. Um, <laughs> the, but the um, the you know single handle ones. They, they don't plug to the wall. They're the rechargeable ones. Those you know the, what do you call them? Those ones. Yeah. <laughs> That's quite handy. But when you're doing it two or three times a day, you can get the light ones. Yeah. 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 I bought one for Mother's Day from three fifty though. Three fifty. Oh, yeah, it was bottom of the range, really. <laughs> we well, spent a thousand bucks on it. Oh. <laughs> I can't believe you guys are talking about vacuums. Well, no, I'm just trying to help the bro out. Because, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he needs help. Thanks, bro. Are they your Thanks, mothers bro. or your ones? <laughs> <laughs> really no. They said they mornings and they're the same. <laughs> Get your sport, mate. <laughs> just make it up. Say there's a team to the corner. We're talking about relationships. I'm thinking. Um, is there any anyone um, I don't know? Is there someone special on the on the pipelines, or is it just uh, no? Um, I've sort of uh, I was I've committed to um, dealing with the marriage break because it lasted for a long time because COVID. So I keep getting put off, you know, go to court and keep getting put off and put off. So just COVID things, you know, making this this exit a long one. No, it's a long way to get say goodbye. So expensive too. No, not another court hearing put off. You know what I mean, oh my God. come on, justice. You know. So um, no, there's not. I just I I had a chat to Buster about this one day, and he goes, "So, um, Dad, if you got someone you'd spend, so if you did like, say you did ten hours with me a week now, whatever, after school, would you make it like seven to me, and then you'd give three over there? As soon as I heard that, I, oh, I'm going to be single for a few more years. <laughs> <laughs> you know." Uh, uh, I got some, I got a few mates who are single too, and um, it's actually not that bad, you know. It's good. Yeah. Play darts and um, get the whole bed to yourself. With that and um, and um, don't have to shower. No one tells you off on a Saturday morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you the benefit of that over time is it's mental health. You know, it's a bonus. There's <laughs> no one climbing down one ear into the other ear and down uh, have you made sure that uh, the, the, have you done the carpet? Have you vacuumed? <laughs> uh, put your vacuum before we go, please. Mister <laughs> uh, Spot, you want to have a tape? I just say yes, yes, <laughs> yes. So be single for a few more years. Yeah, I'm happy single. I'm because I'm sort of focused in the podcast thing right now. I don't know how many transitions I can make. This might be the last, and. Um, but um, I'll, when I'm ready to go, we'll come back on and we'll look at some options. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I don't know if I've got, um, as open and everything as I am, I, I, I've been burned a bit, you know, I'm still a bit hurt by it all. Mm. Um, and I, 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 I'm not really, I don't want to, I don't want anyone to have to deal with me, you know? Yeah. I guess um, a few more uh, one-on-one chats and, 
um, just a bit more help, you know, a bit more being open and just letting the dust settle over here, you know, the dust hasn't settled for me. I throw myself at so many things in life that I can't just go, whoop, well, it's over. Yeah. You know, like, you know, I've mm. still got a few bills to, joint bills to pay, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> the lawyers don't come cheap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's toxic, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So I've got to set up a give little page and... Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you've got a lot of help there for you, just uh Oh, there's heaps of guys around here. Yeah. Cool. And, yeah. I, I do a lot of fishing, eh? you know. Yeah, Do you have your own boat or something? Um, yeah, I set my mate's place down in Papakura at the moment because, you know, when he moves out, open homes, you know, open homes. Mm. Oh, they said to me in open homes, now get rid of all this sort of stuff. I'm like, that's my boat, mate. <laughs> like, who's this guy telling me to get rid of my boat? You know? Well, it's for the aesthetic look or something. So, so I got rid of it to my mate. And I think he's put a new output on it. He's been spinning around the around organ. <laughs> then my boat. So obviously got a rubber ducky, you know. But then it's quite good for um, quite good for uh, fishing, you know. Good yeah. platform, unsinkable they say. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, fishing. I find it really therapeutic. Yeah, yeah. Good. I really do. Yeah. Um, and darts. Um, you know, darts is a good thing. You just yeah. you're letting yeah. stuff go. Um, good at it. But, no, terrible. <laughs> I play this guy who, you know, he takes he, he's a top sportsman, you know, his family is. And so he sees me and he goes, Right, this will be an easy victory. I'll uh, bank this. So he's banking all these wins over here. Um but we all, but when you're in a room with the with the one guy and you're throwing something at the at the at dartboard, you start talking. Mm. Um go on a road trip, you start talking, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Or listen to a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like going on. I like to to listen actually to the podcast. You can in the car. You can go. Yeah. I got this email today from this lady. He goes, oh, "I've just found you." So I'm working my way back through the list of you know podcasts. So she's got fifty to go. But um, someone said to me the other day, "Oh, so I'm having found you and uh, your podcast. Um, I look forward to it every weekend because I can't during the week. It's my treat." I'm like, mm. "That's cool. That's nice hearing you know yeah. sort of reaffirmation of what you do." I mean, not even, no, a lot of people think, you know, it's an arsehole. And that's fine, you know. I probably was, especially Wellington and all, those, that, all the pressure and everything. But I know that's not me, you know, and um, that's what you have to do. Mm. 50 journalists, your bosses are watching the end product at 6 o'clock each night. Did Duncan get a story? Is it a yeah. better one than that? That's for, that's for 17 years of pressure. 17? Well, that's, 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 17 years of press gallery, yeah. Jeepers. Well, you think you've got problems on Saturday mornings? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> hey? Yeah, 17 years of every night. Right. Boss sits in his chair. Ding, ding. TV one and three. Nice. You know, you don't want to be getting chomped every night by the other guy, you know? Yeah. So you've got to make sure you do it to them. You know? but it just, yeah. I was going to ask. That's, that's pressure. It builds up, you know? Mm. And someone's going to have to go pop at some stage. Yeah, that's, that's true. Crazy. And so you just popped up. Yeah, I just pop. Yeah. <laughs> pop, 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 pop. I don't know. I don't know. What pop, at, some, at some stage, I don't know what pop means. You want it to make sure it's a positive pop, no, the negative pop. No? But I don't even know what pop means. But all I'm saying is that you know you get build up pressure, and sometimes you just got to have a release, whether that's going fishing or going for a walk. Yeah, we yeah. talked about on yeah. uh, another podcast where you know, how important. These different outlets for men are and mm. to help us like unwind. And I think uh, Jay talked about this one was kite. Yeah, kite. flying yeah, kites. Flying so I, I love kites. Yeah. Big fan. Yep. I love it. Where it's, do you get the best ones from though? Because 
I find the kites um, anywhere sort of came out uh, warehouse and without saying the names of the places. <laughs> uh, well, you get what you pay for, right? Yeah, yeah. And also the wind coming from Wellington, I used to lose a lot of kites. Yeah, because Auckland sometimes not enough wind. Where do you fly them? Do you fly kites? Um, yeah, so um, I initially discovered in Wellington. I used to live in Wellington, so I'd yeah. gone down there to change the scenery. And the kites I'd actually gotten for the kids. And my daughter was only four years old. She was struggling. So I was like, oh, yeah, give me a hand. And then after that, it was me just playing with the kites at the beach. And, um, it's like Paraparumu. A, oh, is that where you're from? Um, no, no, my cousin was there. Oh, so, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But up here, it's, it's uh, Bastion wind. Point. Yeah, Bastion yeah. Point. He's a bit high as well. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like kites. I, that, again, therapeutic. If you can make it... Absolutely. The, the, yeah, go, don't go cheap, because you won't, it won't bounce properly, you know? that. <laughs> we used to all do this shit before devices came along. Yeah, true. Our kids would know how to fly a kite. Now they just know how to fly a kite by Googling it, flying a kite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Watching it on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. True. I can't remember what Pete's one was. The one was um, ACDC. Cleaning, ACDC. Cleaning <laughs> Sunday mornings. <laughs> um, Painting Sunday mornings. Yeah. Is, isn't there a song? No, no. Cleaning Sunday mornings. Yeah. <laughs> Sunday morning. The <laughs> Every week, guys, that's me. Uh, yeah. You got a few more cleans left in you, though? What's that? You got a few more cleans left in you before <laughs> breaking boots? Anytime. Uh, my thing is, during the week, I do all the cleaning. Oh, nah, she's going to watch with my wife. She's going to watch this. You're a liar. Do the, um, do the recon bit now, mate. Yeah. He's sorry. He didn't mean it. He was trying to fit in. And he, he knows you're boss, okay? So, yeah. Say after me, you're the boss. <laughs> Did you have young kids when you were um, in press gallery years? Uh, 20, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, did. Yeah. How did you manage all that? Oh, we just did. Yeah. You just, you, you do because you have to. So, um, um, my first wife, she was, she stayed home for two, oh, no, two years, but she, after six weeks, she was a journalist. Well, she, I remember her, she had to voice message, I'm back, I'm, I'm back, I'm going to chase this murderer in the white lapper. Now the family that killed Lily Bing, his little baby, you know, oh. so, um, he would chase these stories. You know, and it's when you have kids, you have kids, you become really focused in your time. You know, your time is is shorter and narrower, so you use it well. You know, we didn't waste any time. We, you know, it was like, wasn't like clockwork because we weren't that organised. But babies don't, they don't come with handbooks and stuff. Huh? Like, it's the hardest work. You know, I to, if I went to work, it was like having a holiday, rather be at home all day. You know. Like, it's hard Tell us about honestly. a Brad. It's <laughs> Brad just had two. Am I, am I? Am I speaking? He's got eight yeah. kids. How many you got? Eight. All boys. All boys. Got eight kids. Two eight sets boys. of twins. Two sets of twins. Two sets. And if we're talking about cleaning, oh, awesome! He's, he's giving you his credit cards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's full, bro. <laughs> kids. Oh, well, you thought about things. Um, <laughs> you'll be right. Um, you'll be able to look after you. You got twins in there? Yeah. yeah. Two set of twins. Oh, I'm a twin. Oh. Yeah. Two set of twins. Yeah. Sister. Sister. Yeah. Are you guys close? Oh, well, she's been in Australia for 20 years. Oh, that's a long time. It is. It's, it's hard to stay close when they're so far away. Are you similar? Um. Do you have that twin vibe that they always talk no. about? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no. The quality of the no. <laughs> no, we're different. Yeah? We're different. She's done a great job with the kids, and um, 
she's hard worker and she, you know, she's a good mum. Yeah. What's your advice for Brad in raising his two sets? Run. <laughs> 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 no, um, oh, good luck, bro. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just, it's exciting. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna try and put a good spin on this. Um, it's 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 really special though that you you will be loved and looked after for your entire life. Like you'll get to a point, you know, where some people were, they look around, they got nothing or whatever in the, in the love front. I mean, you'd have a New Zealand Sevens team, bro, plus in the reserves, <laughs> so you'll be fine. Um, my best advice to this though is that you know you go through really challenging periods, um, walk through that, yeah. don't bail on it, you'll walk through it. You know, it's, it's one. My mate's got eight kids, yeah. And um, he's never not busy. He's always, you know, he's always shelling out. He's always busy, and but he wouldn't have it any other way. You know, those kids have grown more, grown up now, and they just adore him. You know, he's he's he's, he's God. You know, so um, consider it special. Yeah, a lot of people can't have kids. You know. I'd offer, sometimes offer mine, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so the prank of the week goes. <laughs> you both want to go. <laughs> that says something about me, then. <laughs> um, no, they're special. You're, you're lucky. They're all, they're all gifts, you know. Um, just don't give them away. <laughs> yeah. Well done, though. Are the twins the new ones? Um, how old are they? About a month. Oh, shit. You know, my first daughter had colic, you know, so. I used to go to work for homes and I had a black suit on and it was like it had bird shit down the back of my right shoulder. Oh, doing the energy. For homes, we'd be there at eight and sometimes you home at nine in the evening. That's a long day. And How do you are expected to be level-headed, energised and interested when you get home? Life's tough, yes, you know. Keep striding through those challenges, you know, because the, the the grass isn't greener on the side, and the, the the hope through these tunnels is, is when you get to that point. I reckon you've achieved something amazing, you know. Mm. You, you know and I failed that, you know. What do you mean you failed? Well, I didn't I didn't last, did I? Mm, didn't okay. get there. Yeah. Um, apart from that, I'm a fine man, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I I, I think I'll always. Um, be hard on myself, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's no one's fault, you know. It's just things, sorts of things happen. So, but um, yeah, I wish you know I'd be able to achieve yeah. sort of solid thing. But job and the pressure and everything, yeah. so yeah. much. Yeah. And I'd get home at night, you know, sort of eight o'clock, about to walk in, and the phone would go, and it'd be like you know, Helen Clark or something, who's decided that she's on the way home to her house. She'll ring up the political editor to moan about the coverage or just to have a chat she's very good at that masterful her and key they always had your number and they'd always ring you you know and Clark would you know but you had the ear of the Prime Minister you know you're in a job that mm, they, they knew you had some influence so they would you know you think you've got a bad I said that always mean, you mean <laughs> you're the PM on your line and whenever I saw her number come up and her name I'd be like oh, what, quickly remember what have we done wrong today guys so how do I get out of this and what am I going to say um, but usually it wasn't like that you know Hey, I, when I had my first child, she rang. Congratulations and things, just things like that. You know, yeah. keys the same. Um, they were they were the, of that generation. They were far and away the best because yeah. they they knew how to play people and they were personable. They knew how to make you feel important. You know, they they just they knew shit. You know. Yeah. You know, I was doing an auction for those kids' um, schools. Could have kept up a school in Seatoon, wealthy community, but they got the, they got the cutter and they were like, oh. 
there's a cura here. Anyway, it <laughs> certainly is. And um, last year we raised, you know, 800 bucks and everything. And we were, they said, we need to raise more. You know, we've got a bigger school now. It was the week of the dawn, uh, the raids down in um, Tuhui country, you know, they stopped. They flushed the kids off the buses and they did all that mm. stuff, you know. It's just shocking um, for no reason. Anyway, I'd known Tamiti, you know, I've met him a couple of times at different stories, at different things. And um, I rang him up and I said after that, could you give did you do a painting for me, mate? For a fundraiser for the kudo, you know, for the kids? He goes, no worries, I'll send it to you. I didn't know he would or not. He sent me this, this original painting of the Tuhui Raids. And so I had that to auctionise the auctioneer at the school. We'd only ever raised 800 bucks once. But we need to raise 20 because we need classrooms and everything. And um, he, I've got this on Friday morning. I thought, wow. He's a renowned New Zealand artist, and you know he's whatever people think of him. He's this guy's. This, I, I read him, and he did. He said he'd do something for me. He did it anyway. So I ring my mate on the paper, the local paper. He's running the paper. Use your contacts that you can. Mm-hmm. Hey Oscar, this, this is what I got. What do you reckon? A good story for tomorrow. Saturday morning, pump the crowd up, get some art collectors there, make the money. And um, he goes, I'll do it on the front page for you, mate. So oh, we had, had nice. you know, we were auctioning off this today. And it was a very hot topic at the time, and. Um, Auction was two o'clock, and, and I suddenly I looked out at the crowd, and you know it was busy. And ten minutes time auction, folks. Two o'clock. And next minute, I just saw these crowds of people walking in, grey head guys, guys with big dark room glasses, and you know, mm-hmm. advertising. Just all these different art dealers. Like, oh, all right. Oscar, it worked, mate. <laughs> people here. Anyway, who's got an opening price of five hundred dollars? I, mean, I thought we'll make a thousand bucks, and. 30 seconds later, $15,000, oh. 15500 and we sold it for 17800 Wow. Um, and I think we presented the school with um, 19, 19 or 20 grand, you know, which was 50 times more than we'd ever had. And uh, the principal was really, really appreciative and everything and thanked me, all the effort I put in. I didn't, I made one call. And Tommy did that. And then I made one call to my mate and said, you've got to write about this in the paper. You're never coming to my house again. <laughs> and so um, he did a big promo piece on that Saturday morning. Mm. And with all the details of when the auction was going to be, the art collectors would love all that shit. And they paid 17800 or something. Because like, he'd put the transaction through because I had the mobile F-boss. <laughs> Thank you, boss. Wow. <laughs> Do I tell you about the fee involved? In the <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you know um, the privilege of this job is that you can sometimes um, – Use your contacts and your yeah. um, leverage for things like that. You know, I never, I never do it for personal yeah. um, gain, but I always do it for the. You know, we had a hard time at that school too. Initially, the community was a bit, a little, little bit like uh, um, these Maori. So we, um, <laughs> how long will they be here for? Well, nine hundred years so far, mate. So. <laughs> so, you know, Is Maori here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So about that. It's interesting, the first couple of years of the school, you know, you have this big fear or gala day or whatever, and the locals don't turn up. Mm. This is your community. The school's right in the middle of the streets. They do now. You know, mm. it's just going to break down barriers. And with that, it's just communication, getting, not getting to know people. Yeah, I like, don't. You get to know people and suddenly, shit, I'm sorry for hating you, bro. <laughs> yeah. Cool guy, you know. So I know, and I've, I've actually suffered that with this job over the years. Is that, you know, someone was saying, the other night someone said to me, oh, I heard you're an arsehole, mate. And I said, no, I need a dickhead like you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> he was an old guy. He was an old guy. He got, his, his name was um, uh, Stu, and he was 76. He, he told me this. And he, 
You guys, uh, I never listen to you. And I said, what? <laughs> he goes, what do you mean, boys? Well, I don't listen to you either. What did you say? And uh, he was classic. He was, it was, he was using a bit of reverse technique on me. It turned out he'd, he'd followed it for years. And he said, you let me down when you when you left the show, you know, AM, uh, AM show and, sure, yeah. and, um, and Today FM, you know. I had to find you on this podcast. Oh, wow. 76 years old, and he pulled out his phone, and he had all the podcasts that he was listening to on there. <laughs> so... That's cool. Oh, yeah, that is cool. Huh? Yeah. You're a mess. And it's great. You've got these followers oh. that have just. I like you. hearing that. I like hearing that when someone. You know, if that, and also, if you don't like it, then let me know and tell me what do we do differently. <laughs> if I find you telling me that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, just. Um, uh, all my life, I hear people say, oh, that, that, that's that. It's, it's, yeah, it's me. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, you haven't got body doubles or anything. So you just. But it's such a small country that, you know, you. you that the Tunis Cargill is famous, you know, like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, from Tunis. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm Tina from Tunis. <laughs> I think she's very good. So you know, it's one yeah. of those countries, you know. You just, yeah, um, and long may that be this egalitarian country where everyone's yeah. approachable and everyone's cool and cool, on that level. That's what New Zealand's got ahead of every other country in the world. You know, the overseas they get paid more, they're aloof, and they're uh, at more at length or distance from their communities. You know. We got to use that as the example, not to do it that way. Mm. You know? Yeah. Right. Awesome. Um, for someone that's been that's worked in media and broadcasting for so long, like, what are your f- thoughts around the landscape of media, especially? That's boring. Yeah. People's thoughts, like, they're not trusting the media. They. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned landscape. I might be able to be a landscaper because um, <laughs> never before has the industry felt um, so under attack. And maybe we've done this to ourselves. We didn't monetize the platforms properly. You know, for years we gave. For years I read the Herald. It was free. Mm. Yeah. A dollar. What? What? Who paid a dollar? Like, um, online for years, I would sit and read it for free. There were no upgrades, no premium things, whatever it was. Mm. So a hundred journalists in a house in an office with all those, all those costs, and they gave me the thing for free. Like if you went into the dairy and asked for some chewing gum, they're not going to hand it to you for free. You got to pay. But we were giving away a really expensive product that had a. That, you know, let's say it was costing them so much per per day, and I didn't have to pay a cent to get it. I said to have a smartphone. Hmm. So the industry was too slow uh, to look for those opportunities, and almost we've sort of just getting creeping to get them back now, but. It's so much harder to get them back because we didn't put them in place early enough. Mm. So I, what I recommend to my kids to go into the industry, one of them has, um, but my recommendation was mm, it's not all it's cracked up to be. Um, no one trusts you anymore. Um, that's why you have to work on trust. If you are trusted, then you've got a big advantage. Mm. Um, no one, none of the bosses value experience anymore. They don't value good contact books. They don't value um, a certain sector knowledge in some areas. You know, that's gold, some of that stuff. Um, and I worry what the media's going to become. Um, where are the next mad bastards like, you know, myself, Oscar Alley, Paddy Gower, Guy Nespiner, all these people that I've worked with over the years, we were mad because we were madly passionate about the industry. Mm. Like we would have gone to work for free, we just endowed the bosses that, you know. You know, had they known that, we, we would have, we, we largely did for years. Mm. And the pay was so poor, we just we just went in there and we travelled the world, um, turned ourselves into these feral political hacks that sometimes we're delirious because you'd rush to the start line of a day, you'd sprint to get there, stop, 
and wait for something to happen, you know, like, well, something doesn't really happen at those big conferences, and you don't make it happen, you know, mm. otherwise the day just went by and nothing, you know. So, so there's a lot of a lot of that stuff goes on. You travel widely. Uh, well, I probably went to 90 countries in, in 17 years wow. in Parliament. It's uh, crazy. Yeah, really crazy, you know. Um uh, wouldn't have it any other way. Like, you know, I've only just started to tell stories now. Mm. I'm only just, you know, remembering um, some of the stuff when you trigger it with me. Um, you know, the other I was telling these guys this morning, we were going to, I've been to Gallipoli twice, you know, um, it was such an honour. Uh, and you do represent your country when you go there. You, just, you still see the um, shells on the ground, you know, and the Turks are crying and they're walking down the peninsula and you mm. think, shit, what, what the hell are we doing here? Mm. Who's war we fighting? New Zealand was so boring that eighteen-year-olds jumped on that boat, and they had six weeks loving it around Crete and whatever, having a great time. And then they said, "Right, we're landing on that beach tomorrow, boys." Okay, <laughs> Oof. you know, like New Zealand was a boring place. Eight hundred thousand people lived here. The communities were dull. It was yeah. grey. There was nothing going on. You can go to Europe, guys. <laughs> we have got a deal for you. You know, front row seat. Um, so there's a lot of New Zealand blood on that on that peninsula, and it's a special place. You mm. feel it. Wow. Um, uh, I slept in the um, the second time I went. I did my lesson. I stayed on the peninsula that night, wrapped myself in a sleeping bag, and was, I lay in this tussock. You know, shit, it was dark. You know, and then in the morning, the, the, you see the sun coming up, and they, they play the last post, and you're looking out to sea, and you think, Whew. the Kiwi boys came. You know, I visualise this stuff. You know, I get in the moment. The boats would have come into the Anzac Cove there, you know, and up in the up in the Sphinx and all this. You just, it is like you know, started saving Private Ryan or something. It's just, it's it's like oh. the movies, you know, except it's real, you know. Mm. And the fact that you know, I still get a buzz out of this. I hope it's not boring you. They managed to take Chunk B. They they threw the gunfire and everything. These brave men. They said they were eighteen. I think some of them were younger. They marched two k's, whatever it is, up this. So we did this. You know, to picture it: forty-eight kilograms worth of gear on their back and a bayonet gun that didn't work, or whatever. And they held the top of the mountain for twenty-four hours. They they were there, you know. They, what 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 real? And they were young, you know. Yeah. They, um, what what complete brutes to do that, you know? Mm. And then only to be overcome and die, you know. Yeah. What's the point? Yeah. Yeah. What what's the outcome? Well, the outcome is that we we were here, mm. but um. The reason why we brought that up, actually, because, you know, it's been on the road, mm. we, we had a five-hour bus trip to get there the first time, and all the journos and media and just different staff and the PM's office, we played a game of clichés. You could only say a cliché for five hours, and shit, it was funny, yes. And then, you know, all these journos just speaking in a cliché, so anything had to roll off the tongue as a cliché, and it had to make sense. You couldn't say the thing unless it was a cliché. It was it was so fun. It was so <laughs> hilarious, you know, like, you know, the grass is, uh, grass is always greener, mate, you know. Um, yeah, well, glass half full, mate. But it had to, had to actually make sense of things. So, you, know, you need your head read, mate. You know, it, it, it just got to the point because you're tired. To the it's so funny, you know, it's just the whole thing, you know. Yeah, totally a journalist game, eh? Oh well, it could be anyone's game, you know. But it was, um, it was either that or going to the, you know, the local strip bars with you know a few MPs. You know, we caught them down there. Oh, what are you doing down there? <laughs> oh, it's so much. It's that guy. <laughs> so we we saw lots. We went to lots of places. We reported most of the stuff. Um, 
No, I was on. Well, we chased Winston Peters' boat in 1996 and during the election. And remember the 96 election went forever. All those coalition negotiations and Winston takes his boys out in the harbour and Tauranga. Well, I was the guy, the young journalist who was chasing them in a speedboat behind. You know, <laughs> I'm like the dog chasing the bus. What was I going to do if I caught the boat? Uh, I'm, I'm here. Like, you know, they didn't want to see me. You know, so we, and we had we ate cracking, um, um, crayfish with them all night at some some bar, which. I still wonder whether Winston paid. I'm not even sure what happened. <laughs> but those are days of good access, you know, no social media, um, open access, you know. Like yeah. You, you, could, you could get off the record conversations with them, find out what's going on. Oh. They would tell you stuff. Nowadays, the politicians are too scared to be seen with journalists, oh, you know, wow. social media and filming or whatever. So it was a golden era, really, of um, it was well-funded. We can go anywhere we wanted. We did. Um, you could charter planes. We just we had we had the ability to get places with them and report back, and they were good. Uh, I, yeah. I was so lucky. I got some of those days. I was pinching myself. I was twenty one, <laughs> and I was in the One Network News. You know, I was with um, Linda Clark was my boss, oh. and Peter Williams, um, Spiro Anastasiu, Ray Lamb. These are names of these journalists. Massive names. Yeah, man, and and um, and, and Keith Quinn. You know, mm. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah, in the office, and, and Keith was upstairs. How are you, Duggan? <laughs> Hi Keith, <laughs> like you know, and I was a sports, sports journalist for a few months, and I got sent to Hamilton before the World Cup to interview. There's a guy called Jonah, and um, the manager was Colin Meads, and and, uh, and I had to turn up and get both these guys to front to talk to me. You know, like, how am I going to do this? You know, like I just started in the job, and I had to get one future All Black great and an All Black great to come over. Anyway, so I said, oh, Colin Duncan Garner from One Network News, after Jonah. Yep, I'll get it for you. Jonah! <laughs> and uh, he ran across and um, stand up straight, mate. And uh, I interviewed Colin Meads and Jonah about some rugby story. And I'm thinking they're both dead now. I think, wow. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, uh, Jonah towered over Colin Meads too, by the way. He was, <laughs> he, he was, oh man, he was. I don't think New Zealanders actually understand what a superstar he was. He was, he was the world's only true rugby Breakthrough superstar, you know, like mm. a Michael Jordan for his. This is yeah. Jonah, you know. He was genuinely class. Iconic. Iconic, yeah. Totally, you know, he could he could run fast, he could turn quickly, and he could defend and run back. <laughs> Our wingers can be to catch now, you know. And always, have a, always have a position. You watch South Africa. You know, on, yeah. Colby, he's a good one, you know. He'll do. So, and then Colin meets this guy that was just um, totally in control. You know, Jonah, come here. You got what you need, Duncan? Okay, mate. Catch you later. Or pine tree. Pine yeah, tree. I'm sure he had three fingers on each. But um, <laughs> you always know when you shake their hands, there's a bit of a lump there. So. It's like going to, it. like to Mochueke to beat the foresters. <laughs> <laughs> Played rugby down there once. I played for the parliamentary rugby team, you know? And that was like, that's an eye opener. And they all came together then, eh, you know? This, so, you know, they all became mates there. And mm, playing down at different, playing different teams of forestry teams, you know? It's so, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if you catch the ball that well. Gosh. But that's just fun. Oh, those, wow. those things that amuse you on those. Yeah. What's you your know. most memorable interview? The most, the one that just sticks? Um, you know, things like Nicola, actually. You know, I've interviewed yeah. Tony Blair. I've interviewed um, Hillary Clinton. Three questions at Bush and Obama. Um, wow. I've been in the White House, um, you know. A few what, times. Uh, oh, yeah, a few times, yeah. Wow. Um, guy, and you just look, you go there, mate. Yeah, and I'll go on this side. Yeah, you, just, you lie down there with the microphone, and I'll just go and stand in front of the president. Yeah, because yeah, because you have to do deals where you stand, and see you compromise all the time. And it's really competitive on the road. You know who's got the scoop? And it's, like, it's just taxi. You know, 
you know, any of to play mind games with other journalists. So you're psychologically trying to fuck them, you know. <laughs> it's just, you know, you think you've got to have with eight kids, mate. It's a Saturday morning on steroids, you know. Uh, it's just, it's, it's, you need a break sometimes from that, eh? Oh, you know? Of course. And I was one of the most feral, worst instigators of all that shit, you know. I, was, I, feel, I feel a little bit bad about it at times, but um, it largely keeps you, you know, in the game. Um, but you imagine that, you know, you're travelling with 50 journalists and, you know, who's got the scoop? And if you haven't got the scoop, you know, you're paid a lot of money to get the scoop. Yeah. Well, you said to your boss, ah, oh, was, this wasn't true, mate. This is, this is crap. Everyone tries to piss over the other guy's stories. There's always that to deal with, too. You know, you break a good story, then you sort of, huh? What's, what's the reaction going to be? Ah! Oh, they haven't pissed on it yet, but they will tomorrow. So, mm. right. so, how do you, like, what would you do to stay, to keep your scoop and to. Go to bed later than everyone else and get up earlier. It was always my mantra. Wow. Get up before everyone else and go to bed later. It largely turns you into... Turns you into this. I feel like I'm half asleep talking now. But do you know what I'm saying? Uh, just You have to work harder yeah. and work smarter and know where the contacts are. Um, have a plan of attack around that. Um, get your story written and cut. Be tired by the time the news comes on because it's no good an hour later because it's live, slot mm. live play. Um, It'd be mongrel. And you have contacts, you know, it used to matter having contacts, and now I reckon they just interview themselves. But, but you know, I was there the night that Winston had the punch up at Brava as well, that was in Courtney Place, all those infamous little moments. People may not even remember that. Um, it's just all those things like the, yeah. the, the return of the unknown warrior, you know, that when that came and that happened, National wouldn't fund this. There's a million bucks or nothing. And Labour Clark understood nationalism and understood creating moments for people. And the Unknown Warrior came back into um, Lambton Key in a casket. And our family lost um, my great uncle, was so my dad's uncle, um, died of Borneo, a prisoner of war with the Japanese. My grandfather was always very hatred, hated, hated the Japanese for some reason. This was the reason. Yeah? Mm. And um, when that um, when that casket came around the corner, and a whole Lambton key, I'll never forget this. It was four or five deep, mm. and um, and all these New Zealanders were lining the streets. Clark had done well, and around the corner comes the click of the horse, and with the casket on the back with the New Zealand flag, could have been anyone's grandfather, mm. anyone's uncle. It cost two million bucks to do this exercise. It was nothing. And that person, that I know more, lays in Wellington, rest in Wellington still to this day, a masterful political move. Clark understood um, creating nationhood and things like that, you know. And, and it's a tricky thing to, to get right, you know. And politicians take risks all the time in this sort of area. But when that casket came around the corner and you saw the, these people just go, in America they would have been like that, but New Zealand is just about their heads. It's so powerful, silence. Mm. Silence is powerful. Mm. It's also deafening, you know. Yeah. As well, you know, if you're in a relationship and all you hear is silence, it's loud, you know. I've heard that a few times. Mm. I used to hate dropping my son off to his mum, you know, if only for a week or whatever, so I did get away. I used to just hate it. You know, I feel pain on that, eh? Yeah. Going overseas and knowing and flying out and your, your kids are at home. He used to, he used to just love coming home, yeah. Because mm. he went so many places and he spent so much time away and he was so often and uh, you know, we stayed in a six-star hotel in Bahrain. People would go, oh, it must be a buzz. Well, we got there at 11 at night and left at 3 in the morning, so four hours. I stayed up and went in every room, yeah. You know, but what do you do? You end up drinking with the Air Force, you know, waiting your time to go and fly off again. It's not all... Mm. Look, it's not working in a sausage factory. No. 
But it kind of is as well. Yeah. It's all the same old shit, you know. But it's still a privilege, you know. It's still yeah. a privileged job because you're in people's lounges and it's a responsibility to get it right to. So. It comes uh, with a cost, though, eh? Yeah, it does. Yeah. You know, it does. You know mm. and the truth is, um, they cost us relationships. Yeah. Mm. And it's not just me. Mm. Uh, you, you look across the board in um, Parliament. I interviewed mm. Ian Lees Galloway today for a podcast. He's a former Labour MP, got all sorts of shit down there. And he looked well and everything. I said, oh, you look like you got your life back. He goes, oh, I got all my, all my relationship back in order and everything. He had to leave Parliament for that, you know. Mm. Parliament is toxic, brutal, feral, mm. and um, and it brings out the worst in us, you know. Yeah. And it just doesn't have any regard for families. They sit too – they don't sit enough, but they sit too long when they do. And late into the evening, and what are they talking about? And it's inhumane. Mm. And it, it's the, you don't get um, – the outcomes are bad. Mm. The best way, the, they're in and out, they're washed out, they're gone, they're toast. They're unemployable after that. I don't know, you know, you would have to um, pay me um, absurd, sounds of, absurd amounts of money to go to Parliament. Mm. I just yeah. wouldn't do it. No. It'd be like sending me to jail. That's how I'd feel. Like, it's like a death row or something, you know, because the outcomes are so poor. Like families don't become stronger as a result of you going there. Your father's gone for three, nine, six years, whatever. That's why Key left. He had to get out again. Yeah. Because mm. he, he was a good dad. Mm. He was a good husband. He didn't he need to go back to that. Yeah. Some people stay for too long because they've got nothing else. They literally have got nothing else. And they're stuck in this aphrodisiac of power and, you know, mm. it's a false economy. It, you start off you – know, I've seen um, people go into <coughs> politics and you see the passion, you see them wanting to make a difference, wanting to make totally. a change. Then they go into it and the system spits beats them, them out. Down. Yeah, it beats them down. Butterbean was going to stand for the Māori Party at Mangani. And I heard this and it started to get some real legs and it was in the papers and everything. And I rang him and I said, Dave, come, come to my place or can I come to yours? Okay, I'll catch you tonight. Yep. I went in there, I'm really honest with Dave. And I said, don't do it. You're, mm. you're mad. For a start, your funding that we get, you know, we get a lot of funding from different um, corporates and things, food and to distribute. They won't give it to you because you're now aligned to a to party Māori or whatever. Now, it's not that you're aligned with the wrong party. You're just aligned with a party. Mm. No matter who you stood for, those organisations would say, right, we're not going to give that. We mm. can't give 40000 worth of food every month to Dave now because... Conflict. Well, it's Māori party. Woolworths or Canada, they may not want that mm. relationship. Easy to give to Dave as a butterbeaner, but harder to give to him when he's a to party Māori butterbeaner. Mm. You know, just, you can't do it. So as soon as we got that across, you know, he made the right, right decision. He doesn't need more profile. He's gonna use <laughs> but he, he's a one-man um, agency. He's a guy who can't speak highly enough of this guy. Mm. Yeah. You know, um, uh, is he one New Zealander of the year? I think he might in the community. He's close to it. He should win. He should, he should win that. Do you think he'll I think he's almost, 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 I'd go as far as saying, potentially the most influential New Zealander of the past year or so. Uh, yeah, mm. I agree. Oh, yeah. Do you think he'll make more of an impact... Doing what he's doing now or being elevated into Parliament? Way more impact now because he's changing more lives now. At Parliament, it's a whip system. So, um, you know, you get sent to go stand in Parliament. From You're on duty tonight from 8 to 10. It's a regulations review mm. committee. Um, school up on that and thanks very much, Dave. No, he would die a quick death. Yeah. He'd get there and he'd realise, all right, I've got here. Uh, here's the lollipop. Now, what am I feeling here? Nothing. You, you just do long hours, you get rinsed, you get on the treadmill of this political system, boys club, girls club, yeah. institutional crap. And um, mm. it, well, it's vital in democracy, but 
it's unhealthy. The one yeah. the, the yeah. system, the system, you know, it's just not good for anyone. What is a good outcome? Your kids don't see you for most of the week, and when you get back there, you're tired, and um, <laughs> yeah. they don't recognise you half the time. And well, Dad, where you been last seven years? You know? Yeah, depleted. Yeah, Jeez. think long, but we need good representatives too, you know. But mm. so think long and hard about if you're going to stand for office, what the cost is. Yeah. It's human cost. And you almost, I remember Jenny Shipley when she became Prime Minister, how mm. she had that really direct conversation with her family. This is what we're going to get into. Are we able to do this? Can we? And I think it was her husband that really pushed her to, to do that. Bertie was on the plane. <laughs> he was at the front. Yeah, I'm in, Jenny. <laughs> Where you been? <laughs> but yeah. you need that kind of support and understanding. Otherwise. I had a few dust with for Jenny Shipley. <laughs> Thank you. And drop that with respect, she'd say. Oh, don't give me respect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one We were in um, um, Chile And we had this all night bender Because we'd been You, know, <laughs> you and Jenny? No, 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 no. <laughs> She's involved I'll tell you how to So we We had this You know There's um, Bars where you go Under the stick You know You lean back Or whatever You know oh, the bar limbo, or, oh, yeah, limbo, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mate honestly I could virtually stand up And go under you know, I was so inflexible Anyway, there's all these people that we came to my place, party in my my room, whatever you know. Oh, anybody you are, there's these locals. And that, okay, so oh, we sneak them back in there. How do we do this? And it was like maybe five thirty in the morning or something. You know, we're getting back to this. <laughs> shit, man. All these locals never know, and you know, big maybe twenty people came to my. Uh, and I'm trying to sneak into the foyer. Oh, oh, Prime Minister. She was out for a morning Y walk with Burton. And, you know, here we are, you know, sneaking ourselves back into the, um, uh, with all these strangers, eh? you know, she said, party, you know, top floor. And we get into the lift, and Shipley's actually in the lift from her Y walk, been out with Burton for a good, you know, stroll, and, you know, get going, get the limbs going. And so we're in the lift, and well, a bit under the weather, you know, had a few, uh, tired and over and everything. And here here's this lift, Jenny Burton. Me and 20 locals. And we're all like, you know, dressed up as some money grow or something. And um, as I hopped down the lift, I looked back at it and she went, <sighs> and looked so disappointed with me. And I was like, oh, my mother. You know, I'm an adult now. You know? Anyway, the next day we went to this, um, I'll never forget this because this, this is my revenge. Went to this, um, oh, so I can't believe I'm telling you this. We, she went on a tour of Peru, you know, to. Um, but the next day he went into Peru and she was like he had to convince people that APEC was working for them as they were all poor living on the side of the street and she went to this um, pottery store but what she didn't realise it was a, um, a there were pottery penises because it was a <coughs> no, it was a very foul thing it was so some some whatever it was they were different size penises in pottery and Shirley hadn't realised this and I, and I said to my camera and Wayne I said Mate, this is good. This is good. She's gonna, you know, she's about to go and, and sample, and so she started picking it up, going, mm, mm, mm. and like you know, she'd been giving me shit that morning, and then suddenly here she is holding up these pottery penises, like Burton, and I was like, oh, put that one down and grab another one, and I was like. Oh, I couldn't believe what I was saying here. So this is brilliant. We're going to run this. The camera and I see in the corners, so I started to shake because of the laughter. <laughs> and I think she realised at the end. What they were Because one of the journalists said Do you know what you're holding there Prime Minister And she goes uh, I think I've gathered What they are <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, Those moments I still laugh I still, I still, I still, I still see it clearly yeah. well. I see it clearly yeah. um, So does she buy it Any or just... It's a small one <laughs> <laughs>
Well, you don't want excess baggage, you know? You got to come back to the country and the customers have to observe it. And, yeah. yeah. Who's but, your um, favourite politician to interview? Is it Winston? That's, that's, that's a combative. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's funny. Oh, I don't know. I mean, that, I, that, like, if it was my birthday tomorrow, when's your birthday? November. Yeah, <laughs> you, you are next, though. But um, they're not your friend, though, so they don't. Well, if I was to sit them on my birthday and wait for one of them to ring, they'd never call. They don't know, so those aren't friends. Yeah. Yeah. My favourite one to interview. Um, Oh, I did love Winston. Eh? He's, he's he was cool. Yeah. yeah, I love how he turns those journalists over. Oh, he's a, he's a pro. Yeah, <laughs> he's a pro. He's, yeah. There's not a shred of evidence. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, is but it's three boxes of it, mate. <laughs> well, have you been through it? Have you? Uh, yeah. Prove it. Well, I'd, uh, prove it. Yeah, like he gets you all the time. So and Michael Cullen, he was he was a smart guy, a bright guy. Mm. Um, Shane Jones was well, he introduced himself, you know, <laughs> with words other New Zealanders don't understand. Um, <laughs> our, our politicians are actually pretty boring, actually. Um, Winston, yeah. Winston was quite good. Yeah, he, uh, to interview, he's yeah. Hilarious. David Samuels and those guys—they were pretty unhinged. I quite enjoyed them. Mm, yeah, um, Parliament's a bland place at the moment. You know, it's just it's when I said if Peter Dunn came back, it might you know stand out a bit more. You know, you got a problem. You know, so <laughs> I, I just think. Social media, the rise and rise of social media and the accountability mm-hmm. and the, the cancellation of so many people in society has made Parliament a, a duller, boring place. Yeah. Because no longer will it accept anything but people of it, it's, um, that it, but it um, trusts and believes in. And I think you know, parties are so cautious around um, who they select, so there's no longer any characters. Um, everyone's sort of safe pair of hands until they're not. Um, and it's, it's blander as I, I think it's blander as yeah. well. We used to run some of the stories we run and characters in them, you know, swearing in Parliament, you know, just all the stuff was was a great era. But nowadays, I think everyone's just too frightened to do Same anything, thing. so no one does anything. You know? Say anything, yeah, yeah. Stick your neck out. Yeah. Which prime minister do you think did the best job? Uh, I and include Long Ear Muldoon as well. Sort of before my time, I was only ten, and Longy Longy lost the plot, so he had a cup of tea and never came back. Uh, Muldoon was a protectionist, and he couldn't even sell butter without a license, you know. So um, they were her faults. Clark was probably the most astute political manager, mm. political manager, yeah. And Key was wow. the most astute economically. So Clark and Key stand out like beacons of hope. They're on the same Jacinda team. Jacinda Ardern promised um, transformation, and we barely got an explanation. You know, when she exited, no, I think it's poor. Uh, 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 I used to love how you used to question her. (laughs) You're awesome. I don't think I was tough enough. I think for what she could handle, it was probably enough. Who gives a shit what she could handle? <laughs> she, she should have done just a job, you know, mm. half a million bucks. Yeah, they retained her, and that wasn't. That I was know, beautiful you really did to watch. Her, I know, I, that was I beautiful agree. to watch. And um, one stage, I said something to her, and she did something snarky back, and I thought, oh, yeah, winning this. This is good. Keep going, snarky. But um, it was patronising then, wasn't it? You know? uh, I did like that, though. <laughs> but if, if, if you know that you're going to wind them up, then. You're on your guard, you know. I did want this one thing. Um, Where's the time? Have we got enough time? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. I'll tell you this. Oh, snap! <laughs> oh, shit. No, we're bad. Oh, my goodness. I mean, Mother Dickie's almost here. The stars will be out. I'll drive home by just looking up. I'll follow the stars. <laughs> <laughs> um, this one, I've got this one incident at Parliament. 
And this guy, I played in the rugby team with him too. I thought we were mates, but anyway. And um, he, he gave me a really big push, you know, to get a minister out of my way. So the minister got it clear away. Now, you can't do that. So um, they alleged that I <clears throat> gave him one back, you know, would I? And so um, I denied it. I said, no, this is bullshit. You guys are trying to stitch me up. And so I had to go for a meeting, you know, because you, you, you get kicked out of part, you lose your ID and, you know, all these privileges, which involve a car park for your camera. Um, so I went across there with Gordon McBride, who's, who's no longer with us, but he was our bureau chief. He's, he's, he's the man. And he goes, oh, these bastards, what are they going to do to you? Get your sack for a week or something? I said, yeah, probably lose my ID for the week. He says, oh, we'll just pinch TV one stuff. Yeah, no worries, mate. So I went, you, you didn't do it, though, did you? I said, no, I didn't do that, nothing. Uh, so I went into the meeting and the, the speaker's there, Duncan, we just were gravely concerned about the assault that took place. And I was like, well, it's just a, a bit of a melee, mate, a bit of a scuffle. No, I, mean, I wasn't involved in it, I don't think I was anywhere near it. Um, and then so I denied all this stuff and everyone was quiet and this prick comes in from this little office and little uptight, you know, and presses a button, open, this mahogany cupboard just open up this big screen. And Gordon, who's in there, and my boss looks at me and goes, uh-oh. And I went, what do you mean? Uh-oh. And they're going to play something. And uh, they said, so you didn't do it, Duncan? I said, I did not touch him. Duke. They started this tape. And I was like, oh, shit. There's, t- there's all these cameras in the Parliament with this area where it happened. And you see you see um, me get pushed out of the way. And I was hoping the tape would stop there. <laughs> and then all you see next is this... Um, uh, <laughs> well, to this big part of the security guard's back And he falls over And then I scarf around the back so I wasn't seen And it's all on tape And I'm sitting there going Oh Is that that's, um, When was the Is that Okay what's the point um, <laughs> Gordon's going You, you, you fucking did man. Like, It's not bad you went down in the And uh, we mum over there And they said look your, your um, punishment Duncan is a week You're banned from parliament I said, I might get leave. I get free leave for this one. He goes, no, you're coming to work. You still work. You just, you're just banned from, yeah, cameras are banned. So anyway, within seconds of gone, Espinner had given me his tapes anyway. But I thought, they'd break the hell out. Here I was, and um, they didn't do anything. And all you see is, four for them. <laughs> and I played rapping with this guy, you know. Like, but he got me a beauty first. And I thought, oh, it's heat of the moment. We'll have a go. But um, yeah, I regret that time. But these are all stories you can tell, and, and it seems okay later on. And I remember coming I'm not going to use this word, I'm not on this podcast, but I came out of the speaker's office with my boss, and he goes, turns to me, he goes, what a complete bunch of, and he used a word there, and um, I said, yeah, you're so right. When I heard him use that word and say this, I thought, hey, he's on my side. And of course, he'd been he'd been there for 20 years and told the same stories 20 years ago, so he just, I'd forgotten there were so many cameras in the lobby, you know, cameras, <laughs> shit, it was like UFC, mate, they had every angle, <laughs> I didn't see the old. <laughs> yeah, I was well and truly hung, drawn, and caught today. That one. I didn't have any shoes. I was like, oh shit, got lots of footage. It's a good footage. It's a bit grainy. Um, I was trying to find a reason why it wasn't credible. It was 100 credible. Are you sure there's not a different date? No, it's not. is that Scott? It could, it could be Scott. No, it's me. Okay, it was just one of those things. Eh? Oh man, hey Duncan, because I'm conscious of time as well, Duncan. But well, you should be got just an hour ago. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's almost Monday. <laughs> you know, because I know you get, I know you get the podcasts. Uh, 
or tomorrow, almost tomorrow. I today, no, you guys take your time. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, mate, thank you for the stories, man. It's just, just been just enlightening in terms of what you've had to share and also your experiences and also the things that you've just gone through to also, but also just sharing parts of your life as well, bro. Um, but, but you guys this, have created a really good yeah. atmosphere. Um, it's, you know, you guys are really gentle in your approach. And I'm wondering, how did you guys organise? Who's going to ask what? You guys are all patient. You wait your turn and you do it really well. If it was sort of four professional, unprofessional journalists, uh, uh, so, so, wait, I'm watching. Watching, but you guys, are, you guys are pros. Um, oh, thank you, man. Yeah, oh, thank nice you. to meet you. Yeah, yeah. that's massive. Yeah, that's massive, man. Massive comment coming from you, sir. Thank you so much. Yeah, especially you, Duncan. Man. Just, it is. But but just one more question, Duncan. But yeah, one more, one more, one more, one more, one more, one more. Just here, one last time. You know, the coffee you made me is four hours old. <laughs> Solid as a rock. It's, it's, it's <laughs> one more, one more, one more, Duncan. Um, when, when, when it's all said and done, Duncan, for you in terms of the, the work that you've done, what's going to be the, the biggest achievement for you in the, the work that you, you've done thus far? Um, I, um, that I can honestly say that each day I went in, and to do it, that I that I that I fought my best. Um, to get as much information for the public that they hadn't received before each day. So to tell them something new. You know, you've got to remember that most New Zealanders only ever got their news from... They're different now, but when we're doing this at its height, the 6 o'clock news at night, that's the only interaction that people had. They didn't buy newspapers. That's the only interaction they had. Mm. And Linda Clark taught me this one thing. She says, accuracy is crucial, and how you deliver your information is crucial. Do not confuse it. Keep it simple to the point where someone at home takes something away from it. And so that's what I'm mostly proud of is that I've stayed true to that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, and also um, developed a, a, a. I don't I don't I don't um, judge you know, um, <laughs> like with the criminals and the gangsters and stuff, they have a role in life too. And I I I've, I've got to know so many of them now that, um, I I. I listen to them openly, you know. There's so many stories that we haven't heard about their lives. And, yeah, there's some bad ones. I get all that. Uh, and I'm not making excuses for them. But there's a reason why some of them, a lot, most of them are there. There's always a reason why someone yeah. in, a, in a criminal group like that, you know. Um, and there, for the grace of God, go we all, you know. Um, if you've got good parents and, and, and they're good people, then you, well, sometimes you're lucky, mm. you know. So I'm very thankful that I, you know. So that I'm surrounding myself largely with good people and good parents. They give you, you know, you take it for granted that you, you get an okay upbringing, you know. Mm. We didn't have much, but we had, um, God, good guidance, you know. Yeah. There's a lot to be said. Hey, it seems like such a simple thing, but without it, the other side not looking to flash, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it's a privilege to meet you all. You oh, do great, course, great work. Man. Yeah, no, thanks, yeah. man. Appreciate your time as well. It's now Friday, so. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, man, thank you so much, Duncan. Duncan, uh, every guest that comes up, we always give them a gift. As it, on behalf of the mandate team, uh, this is for you, mate. Oh wow! Thank you very much. Oh wow! Who did that? You did that. Wow, that's wicked, man. Oh mate, oh, thank, thank you very much. You know, I'll keep this away from the kids because they might uh... <laughs> get some therapy. <laughs> well, that's why. No, I appreciate that, it, That's how I stand like that too, you know. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, that's so, a cool yeah, so you always do You know, on the AM show, you know, you go different places and they, 
there's the kids that come up to you and they would have drawn an AM show desk and stuff and I've still got all that stuff, you know. Like it's cool. yeah, people have gone out of their way to um, to do something for you and uh, I'll, I'll when I get home to my mum's place tonight, I'll put this on the mantelpiece and see if she in the morning she'll come out and she'll oh. New, we did even so. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, I treasure that. Thank you very much. Uh, awesome, man. That's I appreciate cool. it. Uh, before Pete wraps it up, I just want to say, like, man, it's been awesome sitting here with you. Um, because someone that will like, you know, get to have the privilege to turn on our TVs and you're there in the mornings, and a lot of the stories that you've covered, you've advocated for our people. Mm. Like not many have come into South Auckland and shine the different like you have, um, and I know there's when you've shared on this podcast about certain things that you haven't been able to pause and deal with because you're always on the go and sometimes that may trigger something and it sounds like there's like some guilt there in terms of time and um, some decisions you've had to make. Because of the sacrifices, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I just want you to know. Thank you uh, for those um, for those people who are voiceless because they don't know that the decisions that you've had to make and some of the sacrifices you've had mm-hmm. to make in terms of you know your relationships. And so we thank you. Yeah. Um, they feel that guilt. You know, I bet you your your dad would have been proud of you in terms of. Um, the work that you're doing now and i know this is still not the end for you um we you know people that have come on to our table we have this connection with them and we always like to uh follow them after the podcast and our prayer for you is that yeah well hopefully that this season this next season this next chapter that you go into that you find that time for you you've given so much of yourself you've allowed um you've raised certain issues and um, sort of things for our people, our communities, and not just locally but um, nationally. And so we thank just you. thank you so much. No, and thank you very much. We'll just, your just know that we're here. You know, we're here praying yeah. for you. And um, I feel it. Hard. Yeah. I feel it. Hard. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah thank you. But you're right about the voiceless. You know, that mm. it's, it's one of your main jobs as a journalist is to, uh, and not enough journalists come into South Auckland. It shouldn't yeah. be. It shouldn't be seen as a big deal. In fact, they should be based here. <laughs> yeah, well, you be based where some of the issues are, you know. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Too many people coming from the wrong parts of town to do stories across the other side of town without understanding. So I've always tried to make it my mission to understand before you go in, you know. Yeah. It might not always mm. get it right, but, you know, try. <laughs> yeah. no, thank, thank you. you. Oh, and yeah. only jokes about down ourselves, too. And you mentioned the word before, also, we look yeah. at you as yeah, also, yeah, also, man. Definitely, yeah. You're a vanilla also. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I used to, um, one more story, it's at midnight, and... Um, <laughs> My, my son's uh, mates are from um, Samoan boys, a family of 10, you know, the dad drives the buses and mum works in the local Malaysian cafe. They are real good friends of mine. And I saw these boys come into our team years ago and I, I realised that for them to come to trainings, you know, we get it, it's going to be me that gets these boys. And in the end, they ended up staying in my house every weekend, so we, I turned the whole house around. And I went to the small room and my room became the, the boys' room. And, and um, funny, you know, I turned up, get them in. I heard in the I heard in the side the, the parents say, "Yeah, come on, boys, it's your white dad." <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, I cracked up laughing. And so from those days on, as the white dad, whenever we went around to the house and they were having a family meeting or outside doing something more formal, or whatever, 
Uh, the mum, she was close to the mum. She, uh, what? Yeah, your white dad's here. Hurry up, your white dad. Yeah, and I said, oh, I got the boots in the car from last week. Don't worry about it. Yeah, come on, boys, your white dad's waiting. You know, and of course, I knew my name and everything. But uh, and I spent a lot of time in the house, and you know, that's only only way to get to know people and how they live and their lives and to understand them is to get amongst them. You know, mm. you can't do it from a distance. And then you realise the pressures and the stress. And the dad's doing ninety hours a week and a split shift on the buses. Yeah. For 21 bucks an hour. Jeez. You know? Well, if you're going to need a hand with a mouth guard, I'll get the mouth guard for you. <laughs> you understand this shit, you know? Yeah. So, and then how how are the boys meant to be ready every, you know, like if some parents' expectations is uh, from other, other parents, well, why aren't the boys here? Well, they're not here because there's 10 of them in the house, there's three bedrooms, and they're, they're trying to find the clothes for the game. Yeah. It's, just don't be, just slowly, just be slower to judge. Mm. Get into the house and see this shit, you know. Yeah. So, um, there's lots of holes in my wall as a result of them tackling practice. <laughs> <laughs> but I look at these boys, you know. When my son went from rugby league this year to rugby, so we, we he moved away from his team for eight years. Was his team? That was hard because I felt like I was losing the, my house, my job, and then these boys. You know, these boys are my extension of my boys, mm. and. Um, you know, all this sort of loss was coming. It's just another twelve hours, man. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I've been. I've always go back and see them, and you know, we have them all the time. And again, you know, they're growing up, and I've got big raps on one of these boys. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kane Dallas out one of these boys. He's good. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna be. He's gonna be good. Yeah, yeah. Right, awesome, Duncan. Yeah. Hey, Duncan, is there anyone you could you, you could think of that uh, would be ideal to come on the podcast? Anyone that you think? Yeah, would be perfect. Yeah, I think you you had David Tilly on, yeah. Yeah. You know, um, there's a guy um, called Rob Campbell, who was the guy that headed up to to Fatuota. He health health New Zealand, and he resigned. Remember under pressure. Oh yeah. So he's um, our chairman on the Butterbean. He was the chairman of Sky City, and he turned up at one of Dave's boot camps, and um, now he's the chairman, you know, and he, he's. He's been on all the corporate boards. He's seen everything. He's seen from both sides. And he was sacked for doing his job well. Mm. Um, he'd be great to get on here, you know. He's He's been on all public boards, Sky City Casino. He knows all these things. He knows lots. And he's he's at the point of his life now where he'll just say it. <laughs> cool. And, you know, you hum it, I'll play it or whatever. You know, he'll do that. <laughs> so I'd, you know, someone like that, um, um, Rob is good. Um, this is a good scheme, isn't it? You just get others, you get their ideas. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd also... Um, um, Mark Sainsbury. He's, he's had a full yeah. life. He's married... He misses, his kids are Samoan. Um, he is a character, a generous man. He's been seen everything overseas. He's done all that. Um, he's a great chat. He's, he's a great guy. Mm-hmm. He's one of life's most generous, beautiful men. Yeah. You know, um, his car broke down in Potatadu last week when he was coming up, and he went to the service station ten o'clock at night. And she, ah, yeah, yeah. He's one of those faces. The, the service station guy goes, hey, "Here's my keys, mate. Take my car, all can just bring it back when you're done." Who does that? <laughs> <That's> a, <laughs> you might get that in a hillbilly American town, but that's a hillbilly New Zealand town. He's still got that moustache, eh? He's still got it. There's a small t- city living in there. <laughs> But Sano's a great guy. You twirl yours too, eh, Jamin? Yeah, you can see it. Oh, okay. Not now we know that. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, um, yeah, he's, 
You know, you, when, these, when you lose these guys, they don't get replaced easy. You know, there's yeah. whole institutional knowledge. And um, you know, know. if Mark was listening to half the stuff that he should have been listening to, he'd have even greater knowledge. You know? <laughs> <laughs> He's a good guy, man. Generous, lovely man. Eh? Yeah. Oh, man. Guy and Paddy Gower, you get all them? Oh, oh yeah, Paddy Gower, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's nuts, you can bring him on here, he'll still be here on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Paddy, awesome. Paddy I, I hired Paddy, and we put a scrum down in the, in the, he goes, put a scrum down, Garner. I'm like, oh, mate, I'm going to cane you, look at your, you know, your toothpick, mate. And he was reasonably sized, and um, so we had a big fax machine behind where we put the scrum down. Oh, shit. Uh, Gower showed no interest in um, putting much pressure on. I lifted him up. He went back onto this $400 fax machine, which ended up in 400 pieces. And so we took it across to the boss who already got me out of trouble for the, you know, the fight. And I took it over on a tray and I said, Gordon, Paddy lost the um, scrum. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, what have you done? I said, we've never used a fax machine anyway. Facsimile machine, you know. I, when was the last time you used a facsimile machine? <laughs> We're just helping get rid of it. anymore. Facsimile. <laughs> <laughs> It was so cool when he um, did that personal um, thank you to you the other day on your podcast. Did you hear that? I did. It was beautiful. Yeah, it was, it was nice of Paddy. He didn't have beautiful. to do that. You know, I, just, yeah. I, I promised him that um, I'd um, do the impossible and, you know, yeah. turn him into this guy and he had all the skills. He, he knew what he was doing. But he made me sign this 18-point contract, you know, <laughs> It's like shit. I'm not going to scrub your shoes, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. he, no, but he... He got a hard time when he first started, you know, people were really tough on him and I got pissed off about that and so, you know, I was a sort of bulldog at the front, you know, he's my pick and I wanted to look after him and I didn't want him exposed and television's a brutal place early on, you know, if you don't know what you're doing or you come across a bit, you know, you're different to someone else or whatever, you know, we're harsh judges and um, I knew Paddy, would, I knew Paddy had it, we just had to get over the first couple of hurdles. Shit, me and the other boss were taking it, taking it hard but... Um, <laughs> I said, Paddy, I'll, truthfully, I'll, 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 you'll be right, mate. I've got you back on this. Let me just trust me, I'll, I'll get through it. And, um, yeah, we buried a few people along the way in there. And we just, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a great guy, Paddy. He's, yeah. he's it, full of energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just want to talk about what... Um, so if I could get my own back on you guys, I would be getting <laughs> Paddy in there. <laughs> but I want to talk about what Charles was saying, and even just with what Paddy was um, saying to you in your podcast... Um, not only are you like absolute mongrel in your <laughs> journalist skills, love seeing that side of you, it, you totally balance that fully out on the aroha side as well. And you have such a great balance um, and just the way you've helped people. Um, I, I've even heard Ryan's story about how you've helped yeah. him and kind of got him through um, his journey and his career. I mean, you're, you, I mean, there's so much um, testament out there of the genuinity and the authenticity of um, who you are. So, mm. yeah, I just want to acknowledge that. Thank you. You're awesome. Thank really you. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, I really appreciate it that you've, that you've seen that. So, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah cool. thank you, Duncan. Yeah, because I was an asshole in Wellington. <laughs> but, that you, was, but you needed to be, right? That's the game. And I love that. Yeah, yeah. I'd see that side of you and yeah. you had this eyebrow thing that kind of goes. Yeah. The, um, I don't know, we had a few death threats over the years. One of them was quite serious. This guy that was um, breeding pit bull terriers, you know. I, I called him out and uh, he wanted to come and kill me, you know. And he knew my address. He wrote it down on the, on the computer. He said, this is where you're at, eh? And I thought... I went home and looked at what weapons I had that just decided they weren't good enough. And um, so the cops got involved. And um, he wasn't coming up. You know, he couldn't afford the plane ticket to come up and he wasn't going to waste his time. But it can get a bit hairy on these things, you know? Yeah. Um, 
just a bit weird, you know. Yeah, but once it's a bit, you know, when they, when they type, this is your address. Mm. Make yeah. sure your family's not there tonight. And I'm like, that's scary. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but most of the time, it, no, it doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't happen until it does. Mm. You know. Then, yeah. You know, so, yeah. You can't do that, you know. No, you know no, but this no. is what he was threatening to do. Yeah. Over a dog, you know. Like. That's another twelve hours. To <laughs> <laughs> with that, with that, Duncan, thank you so much, Duncan. Yeah. Duncan, just one last, one last thing. Um, just if you could say, share some words of encouragement to our, our men out there, our viewers and listeners. One last thing. Yeah, I just um, just take um, take it easy, take it one step at a time. Um, you know. Most of our problems are, are not permanent, so don't you don't need a permanent solution to a temporary problem, if you know what I mean. Mm. Uh, you just need to take it easy, take it step by step. It's not as bad as um, your mind is making it. It's not as serious as you think it is. Um, it's entirely um, um, achievable that you'll get through it. And not everybody is talking about you or about that situation like you think they are. Like most people are selfish and they're living their own lives over there so um, always know that you can breathe it's really important walk it off um, don't fight it off don't go looking for scraps just breathe and walk it off I do this now and honestly write the email then don't send it write the letter but don't send it get it off your chest talk to someone um, but it's entirely entirely achievable that we get through this stuff because um, the other option is um, is not um, is not thinkable, and no one wants that. And your family loves you, and people need you. So that, I'll just make that really clear. So good luck. Awesome, thank you, Duncan. And uh, please don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment. And as usual, team, refine, unlock, take, take charge. charge. <laughs> <laughs> Mandate.